Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit WorldAfropedia.com, the African-Centered Encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. WorldAfropedia.com I don't have time. Look, black people's time is precious. It really is. Because by the time you figure out anything, your time is up. They got it set up that way. By the time you pay off anything, the thing that you paid off ain't worth having. That's from a house to a car. While I'm on the subject, since I just mentioned it, kind of bouncing around now, but I'm talking about application of a counter-racist code. Stop worshiping a car, any kind of car. What is your, and think of it logically, what is your car worth to you when you are not in it? The only time your car is worth anything to you is when you are in it. The moment you step out of it, it's a liability. I mean a total liability. You come out there and people are sitting on it. It's got four parking tickets. Yeah, somebody broke into it. Steering column is all messed up. It is not worth anything. It's just like all the rest of the millions of cars out there. Yet you are working two jobs paying for it. It's sitting out there on the lot, and you're inside the building trying to pay for it, and you're not ever in it. You spend all your time going to and fro those jobs when you're in it. And the white supremacists had that figured out, too, when they started making them. They got this stuff computerized. They got your whole existence computerized. They know where you are at all times and what you're doing and what's important to you. Now, who do you blame for this? You charge the person who did it. You can catch them. But the blame is where? For everything that happens under white supremacy, who is to blame using logic and truth and justice? Who? The white supremacists. Why? 
because they're in charge. If I get on the ship and all the sailors are drunk and throwing whiskey bottles and, you know, swinging on the sails, you know, laying over there and not working, anybody's been in the Navy or anything like that, and you come aboard and the ship is supposed to be out of port two days ago and everybody is just all over the place, drunk, sleep, fighting, you don't deal with the crew. You go straight where? To the captain's cabin and knock on the door and say, what in the world is going on out here? All right. You took the position of being the captain of this ship. What about black leaders? What's that? Who said that? I heard you say that because I know you know. Did you say that? That's true. See, that's an easy target. See, when you're weak and you feel weak and you want somebody to blame that's easy to blame and nobody's going to jump all over you for doing it because the white supremacists certainly are not or you wouldn't do it. You blame the black leader. So the code says, who are the leaders of black people under the system of white supremacy, using logic. The white supremacists, same culprit. So just forget about blaming Miss Eleanor Holmes Norton or Colin Powell or Clarence Thomas. See, black people, that's a favorite sport. Give me one of those black people that I can stand up here on the corner and have a foaming at the mouth session about. <laughs> Don't give me nobody white, because I can't deal with that. I know I ain't going nowhere with that. So give me somebody that I might run across in the hood that I can beat up on and y'all won't be looking for who done it. A sport enjoyed by all. Waiting to see who the nigger of the week's going to be. The time of the week is going to be, so you can make a target of them. The code says, stop it. Try to grow up. And on the job, same thing. Well, if it wasn't for these two or three times we got here, I wouldn't be in the shape that I'm in. Those people that you call Toms get their instructions from someone. Now, you grow up enough to get the guts to deal with the people where they got you their instructions. That is a requirement of the code. Otherwise, shut up. See, we're saying we're going into this new 21st century and all like that. We can't keep doing the same old thing. That's just a, that's a wonderful habit that everybody can play. Everybody can play that game. In fact, the racists say, well, look, we got to make a couple of official terms for the rest of the black people to get mad at, you know. So they won't be coming down here in our office. And they do that right on the job. People have asked me, say, well, Fuller, what do you do about these toms on the job? I said, first thing you do is look in the mirror and see if you qualify. What exactly is an Uncle Tom according to truth and logic, counter-racist truth and logic? A victim of white supremacy who is cooperating with white supremacy in any one or more of these areas of activity, and there's nine of them, any minute 
of any day in any measure. So when I go tom hunting, first thing I do is look in the mirror and straighten my tie and try to really look like a good one because that's what I am. Because that's what's in that mirror. So just looking at the person next to me and say, you're a bigger Tom than me. Well, so what? Remember the scene in Gone with the Wind? You ain't the one supposed to say quitting time. I'm the one supposed to say quitting time. Two black people working out in the field. Yeah, right, one of them looks up at the sun and says, quitting time. And the big black guy says, you ain't the one supposed to say quitting time. I'm the one supposed to say quitting time. Quitting time. See, we're always trying to feel bigger than the next black person. But see, when the real man shows up, we get quiet. And then not only that, that has a devastating effect on black females. We get mad at him and her if she's white. And mm, jaws tight all the way while you're driving or riding the subway or whatever, until you finally get to the place that you call your residence, and then you kick in your own door and knock her down, whoever she is, if she's black, on the floor. Because you mad at what happened down there today. Woman, how come you ain't got my meal? How come you, you ain't cleaned up this house? Oh, woof, 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 woof. The code says what? Don't ever hit a black lady, unless it's absolute self-defense where you are in mortal danger. I don't care what she said. You are not qualified. Don't ever hit her. And the black ladies should have it in mind, I am never supposed to be hit, and if I ever get hit, first time, last time, get that slogan in your mind. Now, what does that mean? That you're going to hit him? No. It just means you're through with it. No point in calling next week and saying, I'm sorry. And every black male should understand this. Why? We keep talking about our women. We don't have any women. Gentlemen. Why? Because we are being had. You can't be subject to a white man and a white woman and claim you got something. You don't have a woman. You don't have no land. You don't have nothing. This book ain't even mine. White people can come in here and tell me, get out of here. I want everybody out of here in 15 minutes. Now, I might, you know, out of what you call macho pride and whatnot, well, now, wait a minute. I mean, you don't have the right to, and you know, but I'm out of here. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Thursday, September 29th, 2016. So I have been told from the archives, not the cows archives, some of the early lectures that Mr. Fuller did. I think that one is more than 20 years old at this point. But uh, Neely Fuller Jr., visit the website producejustice.com, produce justice.com produce justice.com you can see uh the books available word guide the updated uh code book you can get both if you need them uh produce justice.com this is our weekly segment on workplace racism 
feel free, dial in the number 641-715-3640. The code is 564-943-POUND. Press star 6 if you would like to participate. Uh, Once again, this is not a spectator program. This is not a broadcast where you should just be looking forward to getting your popcorn or fruit snacks uh, to sit back and listen to the commentary for an hour or two. That is not what this is designed for at all. I am sure if you are a black person, if you are a non-white person anywhere in the world, if you have a job, if you have had a job, you have had some experience with workplace racism. This is all about sharing observations, problems we have had on the job, just so that we can all be more informed about the tactics that racists use on the job, so that we can try to come up with strategies to neutralize things that they're doing. I think just hearing the similarity in terms of what people share uh, with regards to workplace racism and how we get terrorized and abused on the job, just hearing the similarities, I think is very informative uh, in many respects, just so that we can understand that it very much, to me, suggests that whites worldwide, that they have a code, a set of racist policies, tactics, tactics, strategies that they employ on the job to cause us problems, whether it's getting us written up, making sure we don't get promotions, making sure we don't get raises, and or just to get their kicks, to get amusement out of bullying and abusing black people on the job. Uh, I think it very much comes through when you get to hear the different situations in aggregate. I think that's a part of it. I think we have people who listen to this program who are younger. We have our young scholar in the Bay Area, young teen. He's not even in the workforce yet, I don't believe. But we have a lot of younger people who either have not started their careers or are very early in their careers, so they don't have extensive work experience. I think it's very helpful. Some of them have said so. It's very helpful for them to hear from people uh, who are a little bit older, who have worked a little bit longer, who have more experience, unfortunately have been subjected to more incidents of racism the job, it can be very, very helpful in hearing the type of things that you might unfortunately have to deal with from whites whites on the job. So please, this again is not a spectator broadcast. We should be sharing strategies, observations, and if you have figured out some things that work well, for sure, you should be one of the first people to dial in. If you have figured out some ways to eliminate problems, conflict, make sure that you get all your promotions on time, get your raises and everything, be one of the first callers to dial in and tell us how you did it. Uh, The number again, 641-715-3640, the code Five six four nine four three pound. Press star six if you would like to participate. Uh, you can certainly email as well if you, for whatever reason, if you're not able to participate, uh, if you're in a loud environment or whatever the case is, if you just want to email your uh, commentary in and I can read it on the air anonymous, uh, anonymously, uh, you can do that as well until justice at gmail.com, until justice at gmail.com. And I'll make an effort uh, to share. Uh, we had a person uh, who wrote in, this is, was via the Facebook page, 
when I posted the segment for workplace racism this week. I'll share that also. Um, incidentally, uh, I was speaking with Mr. Uh, Scotty Reed, founder of the Black Talk Radio Network. Uh, we were talking about some of the situation that was happening with uh, the Carolina Panthers quarterback, Cam Newton. Uh, he faced some criticism, not just this week. I think it had been happening for a while where he faced some sort of criticism for comments that he made about racism, uh, comments that he made about the shooting of uh, Mr. Scott in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, last week and the subsequent uh, protests and what have you, uh, where folks were upset with him about him not speaking about racism and coming out to say more uh, about the shooting. And uh, Mr. Reed, I thought he had uh, an accurate uh, observation. He said it seemed like all of this would classify as Mr. Cam Newton facing workplace racism. And I agree 1000%. That's uh, kind of the way I would view it as well, uh, particularly if going on your job, people begin to act where you have a session where people stick a microphone in front of you and begin asking you your thoughts on this. It certainly to me would qualify as workplace racism. And I strongly suspect uh, that some powerful whites spoke with not just Cam Newton, probably everybody on the Carolina Panthers team about this is what you say. This is what you do not say uh, when you go out there for the media session. If anything comes up uh, about that nigger that got shot uh, in Charlotte last week, I am sure that something like that went down and or uh, some sort of meeting chit chat after the media session questions about what was said uh, when they went up and made their comments about the situation last week uh, in North Carolina. Uh, the incident that the person wrote in about, uh, they shared my partner, who's non-white, works as a FSD at a hotel. Uh, the white co-workers get paid more than the non-whites. The non-white workers have been at the job longer than everyone else, but they still get paid less, and the white co-workers are supervisors, even though they have less time at the job. That sounds like standard racist operating procedure, uh, where why I think we have at least one person on a weekly basis, dial in where the whites have less experience, uh, less education, uh, less accolades, and they still and less competence sometimes. And they still are able to come in and get promotions, better pay, whatever it is. It happens consistently worldwide under the system of racism, white supremacy, uh, where you can be black and, and you will just be uh, bashed and criticized for being overqualified, as they call it. All right. Uh, other person uh, wrote in their commentary. Let's see. Okay. Uh, this person wrote in via email. Uh, they said, recently the vice president, a confirmed racist woman, hmm, I'd be curious as to how they got the confirmation, of our department sent out an email giving the entire department a heads up that we would receive another email with a link for the Myers-Briggs type indicator, MBTI test. Uh, if people don't know, this is like a psychology test. It's very popular. If you take any psych courses, it'll probably pop up there. I think for a lot of jobs, they give out this test. It's supposed to, to tell you the type of personality uh, you have. I'm sure quite a few people are either familiar with it or have taken it themselves. Okay, continuing. According to the vice president, number one, I can assure you, I learn something about myself each time I take it, 
and find it to be helpful in understanding how to better communicate with others given the diversity of our personalities and the way we receive and react to information. This is all in quotes. Number two, all in quotes, building trust between and within our teams is an important value for our department and understanding each other through the Myers-Briggs test is a key component for better teamwork. I anticipate you will not only learn something about yourself and your team members, but also provide some helpful hints in your personal life and interaction with your loved ones. Number three. Once again, thank you in advance for your participation in this and continuing to create a work environment that is respectful and thoughtful of all our team members. End of the bullet points, continuing. The last bullet is especially humorous because she has been blatantly disrespectful and less than thoughtful to myself and others. No one word regarding who will see the results. Not one word regarding who will see the results. Not one word regarding confidentiality. This screams of yet another way to categorize, target, and discriminate. I already know my MBTI type. I refuse to hand this racist any information about myself on a silver platter. I've already been on the receiving end of her terror. I will not participate in the test, but I'd like to know if you or any of the callers have received this type of request from a current employer. Hmm. Folks can feel free to share uh, if they have. Uh, this is one of those where I would check to see if it's required. Uh, you might want to ask, is it required uh, that we participate in the test? Uh, I know some people might have misgivings and think that that you know, might cause problems uh, for them or might, uh, the whites that they work with uh, might start working against them. Uh, if it looks like you don't want to take the test, uh, take the test. Uh, you could also certainly, if you are going to take the test, uh, you could certainly feel free. Uh, I think Thomas suggests regularly be deceptive. Uh, feel free to not answer accurately. You can just go through and circle, uh, pick things out randomly uh, and see what happens uh, if you do it that way. That might be an idea as well. Um, but, folks, if uh, other people have been required to take this test on a job uh, or if you, you know, decided that you did not want to take it, uh, did that cause any problems or what have you, Feel free to chime in and share. I would be interested, as I said, to know uh, how it has been confirmed that this is a racist woman uh, that is uh, encouraging, recommending folks to take the test. Uh, feel free to share if you're listening in, the person who uh, emailed this commentary. Uh, we will get to the folks who dialed in via the phone line. Again, this is not for spectators. Share observations. It is always good to hear uh, from folks. I am sure there's no way we can have... Uh, 20, 30, 40, 50 people listening to the program, calling in no less uh, to the program and have folks not be, not have experiences with racism on the job. Even if it's not happening directly to you, I say all the time that we should be making observations. You're seeing what's happening to your other uh, non-white colleagues uh, and or seeing things that are happening to whites that you know would not happen to you or would not happen to another non-white person if they're given leeway or if they're given a certain discretion uh, about things that have happened on the job. I've also stated consistently, make sure you are reading your policy and procedure. Uh, really make an effort to not wait until something has happened to then go 
and read the policy and procedure. Read it in advance. That way you can, you know, you don't have to sit down and read the whole thing in one setting. You can divide it up over a week, even two weeks. Uh, just read a little bit at a time, and that way you can really go through and see are we following the rules as they have been laid out in our workplace manual? That is very important and can even come up because I think a lot of our callers over the years have mentioned uh, when whites move to say, well, oh, you're going to get in trouble for this here. And, oh, we got to write you up for this, that they go and look and it's not even in accordance with their stated policy that can be very very helpful uh to you in some situations make sure you've gone through it and as i've stated share if you go through that policy and procedure and some things are not uh accurate uh or the wording is confusing or it doesn't make sense uh definitely share anything that pops out that's profound significant in policy procedure make sure you share that with us as well uh we will get to the people who dialed in via the phone line uh, if you dialed in with a hand up, your line should be open. Uh, feel free to share. Yes, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Greetings to Gus, all the listeners and the callers. Um, so today I came in. Uh, we have a restroom all the way at the back of the plant. Um, this is my first time using that restroom, and I noticed in two of the stalls, people had written in marker and an ink pen, um, vote for Trump, and also make America great. And I wanted to also share um, something that, that happened uh, a few years ago. Um, I, when I worked at a plant in, uh, I believe it was Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, there was a a white female. She was from Croatia, somewhere in Europe. I think that's the uh, right pronunciation. It was uh, me, uh, her, a non-white female from the Philippines, I believe. Um, another non-white, um, not um, non-white female. She was black, and another non-white Hispanic female. We all worked. Um, as a group in this, this one area at that time, I was, uh, very, very ignorant to how racism worked. Um, so <laughs> my opinion would have been, this is a good white person, the female that is, um, she used to call out, uh, white men on a daily basis and women as being racist. Even sometimes I didn't understand why would she say it? Um, it was a few times that she actually went against supervisors and tried to pr try to protect, um, like me and other, um, non-white workers on, on the, um, job. And there was one particular time where, um, I had an issue with a, a mechanic there and, um, she said if they was to try to fire me that she was going to quit and she was trying to encourage other non-white people to, uh, go against the, um, company so that way um I, I didn't lose my job or get in trouble um but yeah she never she identified herself as white maybe one time and uh i never really heard her identify herself as being white um at that time i believe it was 2008 and um president obama was running for president so um me and another non-white uh Guy, we thought that there was going to be somewhat of a, a race war. Um, 
and we were saying stuff um, amongst each other, like, well, yeah, if someone tried to do something to um, Fatima, that was her name. Actually, she looked more um, more Hispanic, and she had, like, a Hispanic accent, but she said that she was from Europe. She was born and raised in Europe. Um, so, like I said, I was very ignorant. We we were saying stuff like, yes, uh, black people try to attack her because how she basically protected us, um, that we were engaged in um, counter-violence against them. So that was something I wanted to share. And um, I guess, just like Gus said, if you want to call anyone, um, Sambo or something like that, you can add me to that list. Uh, I was very ignorant, but I don't believe in good white people now. So that was all I had to share. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Um, I think we just talked about this on the program yesterday where you will have uh, someone classified as white and they will say, well, hey, I'm going to go on the attack. Uh, if you are mistreating uh, any dark folks around me, you're going to have to deal with me and get up in, you know, another white person's face and, you know, shake their finger and, and do lots of stuff. That does not mean that they are not racist. Uh, I think, as I stated explicitly on the program roughly 24 hours ago, that uh, a lot of times you have racists who just have a disagreement about how racism should be practiced. Uh, and sometimes you have whites where they just have squabbles with each other. In their squabbles, they might just accuse another white person of being racist. I've seen that before, too, where... Uh, both of them were racist. It was just that these two whites didn't get along. They were having conflict for some reason. So a part of how one white person decided to attack a different white person was to accuse them of being racist. I've seen that before, too. And I think sometimes, unfortunately, non-white people, victims of racism, we get confused uh, about that and think, oh, this is, you know, a wonderful white person. This is great. She's looking out for us. And that is not the case at all. Incidentally, the, the first portion of what you shared about the uh, vandalism racist graffiti in the restroom area i suspect that there will be more of that and it'll probably just become overt communication uh where whites are talking about uh the election and who they want to win and all of that as it gets closer to november so i would just encourage folks to be uh codified and to already be thinking about what you are going to say if this comes up if they ask you what you thought about the debates who you're going to vote for what you think about the whole campaign already be thinking about, you know, how you will respond to these questions, what you want to say, what you don't want to say, so that you're not, you know, surprised uh, and then trying to come up with something uh, on the spot in terms of how you want to reply. Uh, other folks, uh, if you have questions uh, and or your own situation you want to share, feel free. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Good evening, Gus. Good evening to the callers. Um yeah, to the last guy, man, I'm, I'm, I don't think that um, Croatian lady was white until she stepped off the plane here in America because the Croatians are certainly not considered white in Europe. Um, they're like those um, Kasavi brothers were. Uh, remember when you had that show, Gus, and um, that lady came on and Chechnyans and people from that, that region, they're, they're not treated um, like white people in um, Eastern Europe. Um yeah, I'm pretty sure that she she's enjoying her whiteness in America because she wasn't being treated good um, over there at all. Um, however, she is still white. Um, I had um, definitely got had a, heard a earful about the debate and um, um, the ensuing things that's been going on in the news. 
So one thing was I kind of got put in a position where I had to um, let this white female know that, you know, although I do talk to you about Trump and stuff, you know, I, I, I'm not voting for anybody. I think he's a um, big time racist. Cause she's a, that Thomas doesn't think he's a racist. You know, she's saying this to the guy I work with. If he looks at me, I said, oh, wait a minute now. Trump is 100%, a million percent, definitely a racist. She looks shocked. Like, you know, I said, Hillary, I just think there's a bit of racist. But he's definitely a racist. Um, so, uh, you know, but it hasn't stopped her making her comments. So, um, the guy I work with, um, blackmail, um, confused, um, I've, you do have, um, genuine conversations. He doesn't quite, I think he gets it, but he doesn't want to accept it. So it's, um, slowly, you know, coming up with him. So I get to work yesterday and just for context. The uh, lady who's our boss and him, um, they've worked together for eight years now. And he's worked at the company for almost 30 years. And he and this lady does not get along too well. Um, they have a very cordial, very professional relationship. Um, he feels like she came in and she changed the way things were done before. And it, you know, put him in a position where he lost a lot of money that he used to make in overtime and other things. And um, he also had got wind that uh, when she first started, she had tried to get him fired. And um, his, um, you know, almost at that time, 20 years, you know, dedication to the company, let the boss call him in the office and explain, hey, you know, I don't know what's going on with you and her. She came to me, you know, listen, just appease her and let's move forward and he's done that but he has a very um ill way of thinking about her and um you know they but however around each other they're very professional cordial smile hey how you doing okay great so one of the big complaints he had was prior to her they used to always get tickets to the games and um since she's come she's uh you know only people that could get tickets are the top people now. And when he, you know, the old guy was there, they used to let the lower people get the tickets first. It's big, big deal for him. So he hasn't been to a game in eight years uh, ever since she started. And he mentioned this quite a few times to me. So when I got to work yesterday, he said, oh, come in here. So I come in the room, and he's like, he has these four Yankee tickets. And he says, man, I thought about I go around today, she's all nice, hey, come over here, look, I have these tickets for you, I want you to take your friends and your family, have a good time at the game tonight, and he said, I was so happy, and then I got back to my desk, and I see that it's supposed to rain tonight, <laughs> and she gave him the tickets, knowing that it's probably going to be a rain out, uh, nobody probably wanted the tickets, all right, and he said, I thought of you, because, you know, the child is something you would have said she would do. And I just can't believe this, man. This is crazy. So he says, you know, but I look at the forecast now, and it might not rain. So you, you, you asked me if I wanted to go to the game. I said, eh, nah, I don't, I don't, you know, no, no. So I went back to my my desk and everything and, I, you know, continued to work. So as the day went on, uh, he, you know, came over again, and he asked me, you know, hey, come on, my, my friend canceled. I need you to come with me to the game. 
so, you know, we were um, on a break, so I was a little uncodified, so I told him, you know, I'm not going to watch a bunch of crackers, watch a bunch of beatles play beast baseball. So he starts cracking up laughing. You know, the day ended, you know, came home, everything, so got to work today. He says um, all his friends canceled, so he goes by himself to the game. He has the three tickets, and he says um, he sees this white couple coming up. And he says, I thought of you because I know you would say, oh, don't you give nothing to no white people, but, you know, I sacked them, and at first they didn't believe me, so I walked with them to the gate, and they checked to see that the tickets are real. I'm telling them I'm just giving them to you for free. They came from out of town. They were so happy. You know, and then I saw a Mexican guy. I gave him the ticket, and, um, you know, then he goes to the game. So <clears throat> he's sitting in the seat, and he's like, only I just I, I wanted to call you because I just kept thinking of you. The whole night, the white people said nothing to me. They didn't buy me no drink, no nothing to eat. The, the Mexican guy, he got me a beer. He got me a chicken finger. These people act like I didn't give them nothing. They're standing there taking pictures with each other and everything, and, he just felt so insulted. And I just, you know, he said, I feel about you because you always say don't have white people. I say, yep, I, absolutely. And um, that that was my workplace racism. I'll meet my line. Moral of the story, don't help white people. <laughs> Hopefully that will... Uh... We'll stick with them. That is a very tough one. I, I know that from personal experience. People have a non-white people victims of racism. We have a very hard time uh, with that one, myself included. It's so much. It's, it's centuries of, of trauma and grooming, programming, contamination that uh, encourages the exact opposite. Uh, and frequently, if you don't help white people, you know. That could be problems. You might even be subjected to direct violence if you are not about aiding and helping white folks. But that, I think, would go a long way. Let's just stop helping whites as much as possible. Uh, also, and this is totally not uh, a critique at all, just uh, I do say on the program consistently, you know, let's try and I think it's best if we can try and stay in the question lane as much as possible on the job, even though sometimes, you know, you have to make your statements or what have you say what you need to say. But when the uh, race soldier, the white woman, when she said, uh, oh, yeah, Thomas, he doesn't think uh, Donald Trump is a racist. Uh, if folks want to be in the question lane, just be like, uh, did I say Donald Trump was not a racist? If you just want to make sure that we're in the question lane. But that's totally not a critique. You know, no, no issue at all with uh, how you responded to her. Uh, basically stating something that was not true uh, about your assessment of uh, Mr. Trump. Uh, folks have uh, questions, what they've heard uh, thus far uh, from callers, or if you have your own situation that you'd like to share, uh, you should be with us as well. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Um, thanks so much for your feedback earlier. I wrote in about the Myers break test and I wanted to explain of how I've confirmed that the VT is a racist. Um, sometimes she will email us for data and we have to run reports and give it to her in a spreadsheet format. And I've noticed that with myself and other, you know, non-white colleagues, that if we give her data, she'll respond that that's not what she wanted. But then if the white director sends her the exact same information we just sent her, she's like, oh, my goodness, thank you so much. This is just what I needed. And it's just the way that I noticed that she, the difference in how she treats 
the non-white people compared to white people because it's like if a non-white person says something or gives a solution, um, it's just, okay, thank you. And then if a white person suggests the exact same thing, like it's the best thing since sliced bread. So it's just, and and then she sabotages like on purpose. It's just all these little things that she does, and and I'm just noticing it. So yes, it's it's there. Wow! Thank you for the uh, con- additional information. Uh, appreciate that, and that's what I mean. Just about observing, even if it's not something directly happening to you. Although it seems like in this case, when you all submit the data, this is happening to you. But also paying attention to what's happening to other folks around you. Uh, in the office to be able to note that it's not just you. When other non-white people submit their data to her, it's the same thing, that there's a problem or this is not what she requested, and then paying attention when someone classified as white does so, it's, ah, great, no problems, great, we can move forward. Just being observant uh, on the job, which is something when I was more confused, I didn't pay attention to things like that either. Uh, And I think a lot of times just being mindful of what's happening around you, you will see a lot more if you understand racism, white supremacy, you will note those type of things happening all the time. Uh, was it required that she, did they explain, you know, that this is something that you have to do uh, on the job or was there any option where you could say, hey, I don't want to participate in this? You mean for the Myers-Briggs? Yes, ma'am. No, she just sent the email saying that um, we were going to, like, have a have a link to take it. She never explained um if there was any confidentiality, if we could opt out of it, like none of that was explained. So Tuesday, I actually emailed the person in HR who sent us the link, and I just responded only to her, and I asked her um, who will see the results, like who will see my individual results, and I haven't heard back from her yet. So I don't know if she has punted that to the VP and now they're sitting on it and stalling on it or what, but I know the HR person who sent the link has not responded regarding who's going to see the individual results, whether it be the VP or my direct supervisor who's a director or what. Hmm. That is a uh, great question uh, in terms of confidentiality and, and it, do you have the ability to opt out of it? Um, have you made a decision about whether you're going to take it or if you do take it, uh, you know, how seriously you go about completing the uh, test? Well, I've read the, um, the handbook and I don't see anything saying that you are required to take any type of psychological or personality test. So the deadline is like October 7th, so I'm not going to be taking it. If I'm asked, where's my test, I'm going to say, well, I already know what mine is. I've asked the question about who's going to see it. No one responded, so obviously they it, it hasn't been explained. And then I'll just say that I'm uncomfortable without knowing fully who will see the results, and they haven't explained that, so I won't be taking it. Awesome, awesome black self-respect, in my opinion. Do you have any concerns that that might cause more problems, that they might might try to make things difficult for you, retaliate for if you decide you don't want to take it? Well, she's been making things difficult for me anyway. What she does is that she'll hop around to different people, so she'll make things difficult for me this, this week, and she'll cool out, she'll be on someone else, and then that's how she does it. So I've already been... Um, recording every meeting that I'm in with her. I've been 
pulling emails and, and filing them away. So I already have documentation. So it'll just be something else I'll add to the documentation of, like, all her harassment and terrorizing. That sounds exemplary. Exemplary counter-racist work to me. You you did ask if, you know, if we have any uh, listeners or what have you who have had to take this test, right, in the workplace to just see if anybody else has had yes. to, Right. Have we, anybody mm-hmm. that's uh, with us, has anybody else had to take any sort of personality test for the job that was a requirement either once you got the job or part of the employment process where you had to take this uh, personality test? Uh, may we heard. I uh, heard oh, both. Fact. Okay. I grasped him. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, we just had to take a personality test uh, for the job, as a matter of fact, maybe two weeks ago. And, um, you know, the the supervisors had all of the, the data compiled, and they called us all in the room and told us what our results were and um, who we, I guess, work better with or what type we work better with and you know i mean that was that was it but they did require us to do it now i don't think they they said that um you know if you don't you would be fired but you know they kind of you know uh wrenched it around to yeah it, it's kind of mandatory hmm. did you complete it like seriously or did you uh, use some deception in how you answered the questions? I used deception. Hmm. Did they address confidentiality about who was going to see the results? Uh, it was, it would just be HR would see the results. Uh, and I'm thinking the management committee. Hmm. Interesting. I would even be interested. I've, I've taken I've taken several tests like that before and never really took them seriously. Hmm. I would even be interested in just thinking about it. That sort of thing. Does that like become a part of your personnel file, like on the job, like for the entirety of your employment there? Is that something that they pass along uh, when you leave there? If you go to another company, is that sort of information kept on file? Like I would. I'd be more curious about it now, just thinking about the confidentiality aspect, because it's been my experience that racists, they network very well, particularly about their negras. Yeah, the the way I, I took it was that it would be going in, like, in our file, but they said we'd take one, like, maybe every, um, maybe every two years. Hmm. Hmm. And that's just, I guess, the way they kind of said it, just to get, like, you know, new hires who come on, just so they can get a chance to take one like they, they won't make it a part of the hiring process which i don't know why that's very confusing to me but you know we always say uh the, the white supremacist is the master of deception so you know hmm. it is what it is. fascinating fascinating um raj you you were going to respond to this as well yes actually i took those tests on at least three different occasions, but none of the occasions were mandatory. They were more presented at the particular places that I worked. They were presented as something that was just like for you to do. It wasn't anything that had to be turned in by a specific date or given to anyone in particular. Um, when I did the test on the job though, even though it wasn't mandatory and people just doing it, I guess for fun and they would just tell each other what their results were. I still use deception anyway. And because um, I had a link to the, to the information that I could utilize off off of the company's uh, computer system, 
I did it on my own just to see for myself how it panned out. But what I did on the job, I, I used deception every time, and except for one time, um, there was a job that um, that I was laid off from, and they had given me a severance package, and in the package was like um, an employment, like coaching thing where you go and meet with somebody in particular, and they gave you um, information regarding uh, building your resume and how to enhance it so that it's uh, most uh, optimally uh, to your favor as far as the creation of it and as far as, as, far as uh, helping you get a new job. Um, they also uh, had that test as the part of it, too, just to kind of give you insight to yourself. It wasn't something you had to turn into the person that you were working with, but essentially it's kind of giving insight into how you function so that you can kind of adjust your behavior, I guess, in job interviews and things like that based on that personality type to get the optimum out of that interview. So things like that. But um, as far as, like, work situations, they were never mandatory. They were always presented as something that was fun. But just to do on the job, and like I said, I still don't, even if they had made it a mandatory thing and they said only specific people would have access to it, I just don't believe them because they could tell you that and then next thing you know, the president of the company is looking at it and everybody else, even though they're actually telling me, oh, it's only HR and you know, it's only this person or that. Mm. I always think in my mind, you know, white people lie all the time. I don't trust anything they say. It's especially when it comes to employment, because they turn things on you on a dime. You can be in the middle of, um, you know, doing something one way, and then literally t- within 24 hours they'll come to you with some new rule or some new thing that, tr- that preempts and trumps whatever you learned the day before. And then, you know, and they do that all the time. So to me, anytime they say they're going to, you know, as far as the, the way that something's going to be used, I just think they're going to use it to your detriment anyway, especially if it has anything to do with psychological profiling, which is exactly what that is. And for the black male who said that they make them take it every two years, that's probably like a psychological assessment to see how your behavior on the job has shifted since they have done specific things. And if they can mark what has transpired within that two-year period, they can see what decisions they made as a company or certain changes in your personality based on those decisions potentially and whatever was going on in your personal life. So these are all things I think about. So I just want to throw that out there. But, yeah, when I did it, it wasn't mandatory. And I do have my own workplace situation I can talk about later. Thanks. I agree with that, Rob. I've had to, I've had to do that on um, two jobs. Um, and uh, one of them we took it twice. The other one we did it once. Um, and... Um, actually, three jobs, actually. Two law firms and a financial institution. Um, all three um, jobs for taking the test. You didn't have to take it, but if you did take it, you got a $100 Metro card at one um, place. Um, another place, they gave you a gift card for like $50 to Best Buy for taking the, the survey um, or taking the um, personality assessment test. And um, I think the other place you got an eighty dollar metro card, uh, but they incentives for taking. Uh, I, I did want to add to what I just noticed. I just thought about uh, some of the departments, not mine, but some of the departments must have had a a meeting about the um, the the test because I did notice maybe a week later that they had like a. Well, their results were they had them hanging on the outside of their door. And so I guess they must have voted and said that, you know, they were fine with, you know, actually displaying that information. But um, I, I, I made that notice, though. So. 
also had a workplace racism. Wow. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead, guys. Uh, I was just going to... I was just going to check really quick to see if anybody else is, uh, has had to take the test, uh, either if, if it was mandatory or if it was something that was kind of voluntary and, and not as strictly enforced. Anybody else have to take uh, this personality test uh, for employment? Um, I was just uh, can I be, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, I was just going to uh, add in my. Uh, experiences uh and um i never had to take anything like that um and uh my thoughts on it that is that it would would have been something uh on the entry level to take uh i think i think law enforcement uh takes some sort of psychological test uh, but, uh, I never remember doing it with the, uh, fire department. Uh, if it was something, uh, as an option to do, I would have, of course would have declined, uh, myself personally to do it. Uh, I try to stay, uh, uh, as, uh, protective of my uh, personal thoughts and ideas as much as possible. Uh, and I can see, though, on a job to whereas they would uh, delay the information about uh, being a requirement until uh, you were already supposed to have taken the test and have the supervisors being very deceptive in their approach to the uh, employees about the test. Uh, sometimes they even, they even are coached in that way to the uh, employees. Uh, also, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, employment where the union of that job is either non-existent or very weak to whereas uh, on a job like the one that I retired from, uh, they probably, they probably the union itself probably would fight it uh, in itself. It just sounds like something that a union would fight uh, that the uh, the employees uh, should not have to take something like that. But uh, that's my experiences on that. I, I never took anything like that myself. And even if I did, I would ha- I would have had a cheat sheet. And uh, the only the only thing that would have been recognizable about my paper would have been my, it would have been my real name as it. Everything else wouldn't be anything uh, uh, that uh, they uh, really wanted to uh, uh, look into. That's, that's all I have to say on that. I'll talk about uh, my own workplace racism and later on and just listen to everybody else's and comment on or ask questions. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, did we have anybody else who had to take the personality test? Anybody else? Any experience with that? I will take it that that is a no. Um, I, I actually can, can I be heard? Oh. Oh. Uh, the caller 1719. 
Okay. 1719, did you have a comment? Uh, just real quick about the personality test. Uh, I'm a 50-year-old black male. I've been in corporate America and the U.S. military. I've taken so many personality tests as training exercises. In fact, I just took one two days ago. Uh, right now, I work for the federal government. And it was never required, it seemed, but it was always a part of the actual exercise or the actual training that we were actually getting. And I don't worry about those tests, to be honest with you, because they are so flawed. Uh, the questions are flawed. The analysis are it's, it's flawed. And just a little bit of, um, just a little analysis of the questions show you just how flawed they are. So I don't know how many I've taken, 20, 30, 40. It doesn't matter to me who sees them. And that's, that was my comment. Hmm. Fascinating. Fascinating. Are you, do you make an effort? Okay. To, I was just going to ask, do you make an effort to, uh, answer the questions truthfully or do you just fill out whatever the response is, bubble in the response or what have you? I want to, I always want to make an effort to uh, answer the questions truthfully, but the questions are, many of the questions are so flawed, but it doesn't matter how you answer it. It's going to come up flawed anyway. I don't really believe it gives me a, or provides a direct um, example of, or direct category of whatever I should be in. Um, even the other day where the test had 144 questions and clearly, clearly, um, the results of that test told me again that it wasn't clear. Um, the outcome wasn't clear to, to whomever designed it and what the results were, where I should fit. doesn't matter to me how I answer, but I do try to answer truthfully because they don't know. Hmm. Uh, I guess retired firefighter and Roz, were you all going to add something else? Yeah, I, I'm just going to ask uh, the uh, the 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 last caller. Uh, uh, give, could he give give an example about uh, what what he means uh, when he says uh, the te- the test is flawed? Because he just recently took one, so he is probably still still uh, recent on his on, on as far as his memory. Give an example about. What you mean by flawed? I never took one before, so I just wanted to know. Well, the question might ask what um, this particular one asks true and false questions, and it puts you in a certain, um, they would give you a certain scenario and say, um, when confronted with the situation, do you um, um, stand down uh, from that conflict or do you engage in that conflict? Do you shrink from it? Or do you meet the challenge? And, um, you know, realistically, it depends on the conflict. And it, it also depends on the circumstances of that conflict. It depends on how you're feeling at the time and who's a party to the entire conflict. So you really don't get a clarity by yes or no in those situations. It's all in the context, which right. they never right. really truly add. Therefore, it's not really a wrong answer. It's just based on whoever the uh, the, the the test uh, analyzer on how how they feel about the the answer you gave. Correct. It's never a right answer or a wrong answer. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. just want to know what you would answer without giving you the full context of what the question is. 
and I can see it where your name would be on the test. And if it, if it was somebody that that has some sort of uh, uh, intel about you, they, they they probably can make some sort of analysis that may not be to your best interest. I can, you know, I, I I can see how that could be used in a sense against the the uh, employee that took the test. In many situations, I can see where um, that is actually correct. Um, in your mm -hmm. In your workplace, of course, you're in a confined environment with a confined, defined group of people um, in the military and in the federal government. And um, where I work right now, um, the the world or the the the, the scope of where I worked of where I worked was was worldwide and now is nationwide. So, again, you know, it it, it all depends on the certain circumstances that you're involved in at that time. And I believe you are absolutely hundred percent correct. Thank you. Thank you, sir, for, for your, uh, for your uh, answers. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Raj, you were going to comment. Yes. Um, you made me remember that I have had to take morality tests before. That's something that I've had to take, but they will ask these questions about decision-making in specific types of uh, scenarios, whether it's um, being a witness to something happening that was illegal or, um, or just basically morality tests. And there was like at least two jobs where I had to take those tests as a part of the hiring process. And essentially they want you to answer, I would say, in a way that would always have you fall on the side of right anyway. So it, they weren't really hard to get past. Some of the questions would be asked in tricky ways, but essentially they were morality tests rather than, but rather than personality tests, even though morality tests are a form of personality tests in and of itself. So yes, that did have to take those, but it was in, within the hiring process. And then after that, it was, you know, once you pass that aspect of it, then essentially you just had to pass the interview and, and all of that stuff. And then they make the final decision. So yes. Hmm. Most interesting. Most interesting. I have a question. Yes, sir, I have a Thomas. Question for the gentleman, um, the military gentleman, um, because I just can't imagine uh, the U.S. government giving these psychological analysis tests and um, not using it for something. Do you think this might be how they um, pick people to go on certain type of missions uh, based off of these analysis um, to see how they might be able to hold up? in certain type of situations? Um, that's a, that's a great question. And I can see where, um, the answer to that is a hundred percent. Yes. Um, when it comes to a lot of the military selection process, um, you're going to go through those, um, regardless of depending upon what job that, that, uh, you're considered for. So you're going to undergo that. And in many of the things that, that I did, one of them was law enforcement, actual law enforcement and uh, counterterrorism. Uh, they're going to take the measure of your personality and more than just the personality test uh, before they ever put a weapon in your hand and, and give you the, the, the color of authority to go out and use it. So those things would be used together to make a determination on whether to invest you with authority in the organization that I work for. Hmm. 
very interesting. Uh, if folks, if anyone, if you are listening in, if you uh, have any commentary or experience with regards to the personality test you've had to take uh, for a job, uh, if you want to chime in to respond, the number again, 641-715-3640, and the code is 564-943-POUND. Uh, if you want to email, uh, you can do that as well, untiljustice at gmail.com. Uh, folks had uh, questions about what they've heard thus far. If you have your own uh, experience uh, that you would like to share, feel free. Yes, ma'am. Oh, cool. Hi. I have a um, workplace racism. Um, so I was at work, and you know I work at, well, you don't know, but I work at night. I do the night, night, um, the graveyard. So I came in um, at the front desk. So this Caucasian male came in. Um, he, I guess he lost his key, didn't work. So he needed me to make him a new key. So I make him a key. Uh, then he came back down asking for cups. So I give him some cups. So then he starts talking small talk about politics. And, um, then he's asking me, what is he, he asked me, did I know what, uh, well, I guess he wants to know who I was voting for. How was I voting? And I guess it's already automatic that I'm voting for Hillary. So I said, well, I don't, I don't know. I, I haven't put a lot of thought into it. Yeah, thought about it. I was like, well, I just, I don't, I, don't, I haven't thought about it. What else do you need? So then he just, no, I want to talk about this politics stuff, you know, because I want to know well, what are you going to do, you know, because I'm voting. Um, he said he was voting. Uh, oh, oh, I forgot what he said. Some term he used. Um, that he, I guess he was going to vote for himself. So, um, and I said, oh, okay, well, yeah, go for it. He said, you could do that too. And I said, oh, okay, well, no, thank you, because I don't just, I just might win. So then he's going back and forth, and he's like, I'm going to come back down, and we're going to talk about this again. I was like, well, I don't, I don't have any more words left to say, so you, you don't have to. So then he called, saying that his air conditioning doesn't work. So I was like, okay, well, that sucks that your air conditioning doesn't work. So he's like, well, can you come fix it? No, because I'm not maintenance. So I'm not coming to fix your air condition. And well, I know you can do it. You can do it. I, I just don't know how to work. And I was like, well, if you've been fiddling with it for hours and you can't work it, I so can't work it because you're a whole man. And I, I'm not, no, that's not what I do. So so you can't fix the air condition? No, I, I'm not maintenance. I can't, but I can put in a work order. Well, man, it's so hot in here. It's like, well, open the window. I can't help you. So you're telling me you're not going to help you? I said, I'm telling you I'm not maintenance, and I'm not worried about your air. You can either open the window, and that's it. There's nothing I can do because I don't understand how it's 1 in the morning, and your air, you didn't have no air at 10 at night. So I don't, I don't have no air. I can't help you. So you just can't help me? You're just telling me no? I'm like, look, I can't help you, and I got to go. I, I have to conclude the call because I have other things to do. I, I can't just stand here talking to you about your air. Well, what can I do? Is there anybody you can talk to? I thought, look, I'll call the manager, see 
that could help you with some. I don't know what to tell you because I, there's nothing that I can do to fix it. I'm not. Well, you can come up here and look at it. I can't look at it. I don't know what the, I'm looking at. So I'm not coming to your room. Well, I know you can. And then so I said, well, look, I'll call the manager. So I called the person that had relieved, that I relieved. And to see, I was like, well, what, 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 are the odds, what are the odds of the air not working in there? And she's like, well, what room was it? And I told her his room. And she said, well, he just came in. He was drunk earlier. He was so drunk earlier, he couldn't remember his room number. I'm like, well, hell, he must be still drunk because now he's trying to get me up there to fix his air. And I was like, and I'm not, why people scare me? I can't, I, I don't know, I don't know what to do now because I'm here by myself. So then she laughed a little. She's like, well, just don't go up there. I was like, I was never going up there because there's nothing for me to do. And um, she just said, well, we put in a work order. So I put in a work order anyway. And um, then he calls back down. Well, did you talk to somebody? I said, uh-huh, yeah, I talked to somebody. And they said, they'll deal with it tomorrow. Well, I'm just so hot in here, Mary. And I don't know what to do and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, my God. Well, I can't help you. I don't know what you, what you're going to do. So he just kept calling. So he must have called like 10 times. So then he said, uh, well, do you think if I slip my number down there and, and you could just, you know, when do you take a break? I said, I don't take breaks. Well, do you think if I slip my number down there, you could, you know, we could talk? I was like, no, you're not going to have me call on camera talking to you. I would never do you like that. I said, I know you would never do me like that because you'll never have action at me like that. I'll never it'll never happen so if I just slipped you my number you couldn't call a good southern boy no I couldn't well next time a good southern boy asks you talks to you like this then maybe you shouldn't give him your number either because you won't give me your number I was like I'll never give you my phone number I don't understand I don't understand any of this I was like and I have to go I can't just stand at the front desk answering all your phone calls well yeah so this went on and on and on so this is at like one, two in the morning. So by the time the sun comes up, let's say five in the morning, <laughs> he comes downstairs because somebody just stole his truck, his work truck, and three other trucks. So now he's spooked. So he's someone stole our trucks. I was like, oh, that's too bad. That's what you get. You terrorizing me. You should have been watching your truck. That's too bad. So then the, a person that owns the truck, the one who sent them there uh, to stay while they do whatever construction they're doing, he came down. Um, he must have had to use the restroom, so I let him in the back to use the restroom. He's like, yeah, I, I, um, I own all the, um, you know, I own the company that they're working for. He's like, and I just came down because they stole the trucks, and I'm waiting on the police to do whatever they do because they had um, cameras on them. They didn't steal the the newer ones, but they stole the ones they could steal and took them in local areas and probably took their tools or whatever they can get off of it. But I just thought that was weird. I was, I didn't know how it happened, but I just thought that was weird that his truck, the trucks come up missing while you're bugging the heck out of me about fixing your air. But I just thought that was so gross that, oh, why people are so terrorist and they're just, they don't have any respect and they just say anything to anybody. And, uh, so that was my workplace racism for um, for this week. And then thanks for listening. White people and alcohol. I feel like somebody has uh, 
commented on the dangers of that for years now. Um, man, that situation. Uh, I think you did an extremely intelligent thing in making sure that you uh, were not coming up to his residence or his area uh, for any reason to check the air conditioning or what have you. There's no telling uh, what he could have done, uh, particularly if he's under the influence and that late at night. Uh, the whole thing sounds suspicious anyway about his vehicle coming up missing. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he knew about this or this was some scheme or what have you uh, going on. Um, just uh, in my view, just outstanding job, uh, just sticking to, you know, I have things to do. I cannot be messing around, wasting time with you. Whites do that all the time. We talked about this uh, for years as well in terms of just wasting our time. Uh, this is, you know, a staple aspect of racism, white supremacy, just to, to clog up your time so that you cannot get things that you need done. Uh, and particularly wasting our time, whether we are helping them. Uh, or just to allow them to nag us so that they can talk and we can support them and are cheering them up, that sort of thing. Uh, this has been just going on for years uh, under the system. It sounds like this was probably an older uh, white guy. Uh, I would have just been doing everything, which it sounds like you did, just trying to do everything possible to get him uh, off the line. Uh, I'm not maintenance. As you continue to, I'm not maintenance. Uh, we can put in a work order. Moving forward, uh, we will, you know, speak with you later. We have other folks to care for, other things, other duties, responsibilities that I have to attend to. Um, I, and again, this is probably another one that I, I suspect other people uh, can relate to uh, where whites, where they're unsatisfied. I think Roz has talked about this as well. Anytime where you're having to deal with uh, white patrons and they're unsatisfied with your response, they have some problem and they're upset that the nigger is not responding to their problem the way that they want, where they just nag and nag and nag and it stay there, stays, uh, they can you know eat up an hour of your time doing this. Uh, and sometimes it can get real terroristic uh, if you, you know, are not sounding like you are properly empathetic to me as a white person about my air conditioning or whatever my, my gripe is uh, it can get really, really nasty. Uh, so uh, just I think you did a really great job of not going and putting yourself where it could be uh, something where he gets more volatile, gets violent uh, with you in a direct physical manner uh, going to attend to him. And I think he was trying to um, set up a, a sexual liaison because, you know, why come, hey, you don't want to come see a good southern boy? I mean, when I think of a good southern boy, you trying to put on the southern charm probably what they did to little girls right before they raped them on the side of the road or something, you know. Uh, come get over here and sit on my lap or something, you know. It just sounds real, real nasty. Um, and, and their history, I wouldn't be surprised if you went up in his room and he, hey, you know, uh, why don't you come sit down over here for a second, you know, and, and try to come on to you in some way because in his sick mind, you know, this, this nigga's going to let me do it. I'm a good southern boy. Agreed. Agreed. Might even be worth uh, making a report uh, about that behavior just to get that on record. Same thing, you know, they, they make paper trails uh, on us on jobs. That might be something uh, that would be worthwhile uh, reporting uh, because I'm sure this is not the first time that he's engaged in those type of annex. Uh, on the job, I don't know if you have other black people that work there, particularly if you have other black females that might be in a similar position where they might be working and they're the only person on staff or where he could potentially, you know, get them alone. It might be good uh, to get that on record uh, that, you know, he was engaged in this sort of behavior and it did not feel safe. I didn't feel safe. I felt I was 
I was weirded out because I'm I'm there alone, and the other blacks that are there, I, to whom I called, that I that relieved me, she's black, and um, she got her own problems. So I I I did report it to her because she was supposedly the lead of us. My manager is white, and her manager is white, and um, they all kind of stick together. I noticed uh the the whites and and when I reported, I just don't see my manager doing anything. I could report it to the district manager because that's who I literally communicate with. I don't communicate with my manager at on at all on any level um because she's very unprofessional um but I did want to do something about that because I thought that because it makes me uncomfortable and there's because it's a hotel, so there's a lot of creepy whites there. And um, it's it's real creepy. What what you could do is you could go to work tomorrow or, or the next time this individual, I individual tonight. does this. Yeah, go mm-hmm. tonight and um, send yourself an email explaining exactly what happened. Send it to your job email and then send it to your personal email so you have a copy of it for yourself. And if anything was that ever happened. You could go back to your emails, print them off, and show your boss that there's been a, I've been, you know, saying this, and because of your attitude, I didn't want to approach you with it, but um, I've been um, taking accounts of what's been going on, and I have detail, and because you're doing it in an email form, uh, you have the time and the date on it, and that's a legal document. Okay. I'd include that he was under the influence as well, and particularly since it seems like somebody else could corroborate that, uh, since you contacted the other staff member and she said that he was uh, he was drunk uh, earlier in the shit earlier that day, I guess, before all this happened with the uh, AC and him trying to get you uh, to his room to put that in it as well, uh, that, you know, this is not just someone who's calling and harassing, this is someone who uh, might be under the influence, uh, and that is exacerbating the situation and, and just further why you did not feel safe as a black female working by yourself dealing with this individual. Because the time stamp from the camera, because when the, because they had to look at the cameras when the truck got stolen, or the truck got stolen. And um, I don't know if his boss, when they looked at the camera, if his boss saw him downstairs talking to me on the camera because I, I leave during the day, but I haven't seen him anymore. And he was supposed to be there for at least another week. So I don't know just, but it was, everything happened. It was just so weird the way it happened. And then all of a sudden, the, all the trucks get stolen, all the trucks. Yeah. But I'm sorry, I'll I'll mute my line. I'll just keep rambling. No apologies. No apologies. Definitely uh, serious. Stay safe, man. Stay safe on the job. That, you know, I would take that real seriously and uh, be not just with him, but anybody else. Be really mindful about uh, not being caught someplace alone up in their room and that sort of thing. Uh, Just things can take a very bad turn quickly uh, with whites. That's in any situation, job or no, but but particularly uh, if you're in a situation where you're working uh, late nights uh, and there might be whites who are under the influence drugs alcohol both uh prescription medication whatever the case may be just you know be really really safe might even be a good idea to have uh you know uh whatever you think would be good to help protect yourself uh if it's 
if you are into firearms, if you can get a concealed carry permit, uh, mace, whatever, have something to uh, make sure you can defend yourself in that environment if you're going to be working uh, late nights and you already have concerns about the environment. Beth, uh, can I be heard? <clears throat> yes, sir. That, that's kind of like what, what, what thoughts come to my mind uh, because you know, I would, I would say from a from a quote unquote romantic standpoint that that uh, we as quote unquote black males, you know, some black male will come to to her aid and whatever, but that's not realistic at all under the system of racist white supremacy. Uh, black females as well as black males on in their places of employment are going to have to basically work methods and tactics and strategies to be able to defend themselves, even to the point that what you're mentioning right now. And my only advice would be to have that knowledge before as you're going through the procedures of becoming employed and the moment that something like that comes up, you have to go on the offensive in the, in the, in the sense of, of, of dealing with it right there, right then and right there, not letting it linger because it's only going to get worse. And it's so unfortunate, but that that's, if somebody can tell me better, that that's, that's, that's the only recourse that I know of. Uh, because we're, we're, we are by ourselves as individuals. As far as that concerned, I've, I've, I experienced that a lot on the job that I retired from. Although, uh, I had several people that that I can go to and they can come to me as far as uh, from the standpoint of of uh, uh, codified, you know, or some kind of co- uh, counter-racist uh, dialogue that we can exchange because we were kind of like organizing off-duty also at the same time. But uh, when it came down to it, when they called my name, it was just me uh, talking about uh, on as far as uh, 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 supervisors or or uh, chiefs or whatever that sort of thing. It was just you know just going to be me and within that meeting, you know, as far as that concern. But uh, I would like to mention uh, my uh, uh, workplace situation for this week is actually something positive for the most part, uh, if I can. Oh, let's hear it. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, yes, uh, they were, there. It, it was two, uh, two of the, uh, young people that were mentioned for having straight A's. Uh, and one of them, uh, was from the position that I, uh, I coach, uh, the other was a defensive lineman. I'll start with a defensive lineman. Uh, uh, he is kind of small for for a position that he plays. Uh, he's a musician. Uh, as I mentioned, he has straight A's. Uh, 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 his family is from Haiti. Uh, now, the the uh, racist part is 
due to him being very heavily melanated. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to put a picture into the listener's head about him. He's very heavily melanated, very muscular, heavily melanated, uh, kind of like sculptured features in, in his face. But yet I can tell that he has been ridiculed all of his life, unfortunately. And uh, uh, for uh, how melanated he is. Uh, and similar to what I heard about Clarence Thomas, correct me if I'm wrong, Gus, is that uh, he was ridiculed also as a child. Is that correct? For being uh, heavily melanated? Absolutely. Called ABC America's yes. Blackest Child. Yes. Uh, he has this quote-unquote girlfriend. Now, I never saw her personally. Never saw her personally. Uh, but if she's talked about a lot, and I, if, if, if she's not a white female, she's very close to looking like one to me. I just saw a glimpse of her. Uh, he, he, had, he had the nerve to have her on his Facebook. Instead of, I guess instead of having his image, he had her image on the Facebook. We played a game uh, last week. Some of the some of the young people from the other team uh, got access to his Facebook, and and apparently, apparently, they uh, said some disparaging things about this uh, this person, <laughs> and it upset him so that he didn't have a good game. He didn't have a good game. Uh, I kind of like to myself because it was a. It, 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 uh, I don't want to say a hundred that I'm, I'm I'm about ninety percent that it was a white female because I just glimpsed a picture of her. Uh, but uh, from my understanding, my opinion, I think he worships this female uh, because with without me even trying to pry about his his personal life in that, in that way, the 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 talk about himself and her is well publicized uh, within the within the school itself and uh that gives me the the impression that due to this uh negativity that he's been uh indoctrinated really I'm mean, even to the point to where I, I I had to mention this to some of the coaches who are non-white black males to stop calling this child spade uh, so it's not just with the, it's not with, not just with other children. It's also with so-called adults, uh, who would carry, carry this on to him. And in turn, uh, that may be helpful in his decision-making process. Uh, and in turn, the results is with this, uh, either white female or, female who looks like a white female. Uh but the other uh the other player uh black male uh very quiet very quiet uh very unassuming but uh you know straight A student but, uh he he also he has he has at least about mm, maybe four or five college college uh offers for a full scholarship, uh, college offers. He, matter of fact, uh, 
there's a uh, coach that I uh, worked with uh, that's now a college uh, football coach that just made him an offer at Appalachian State uh, this afternoon. So, uh, you know, very constructive. That, that's, that's just some, if, if anyone didn't know, that that's some of the more constructive uh, reasoning behind, uh, behind uh, high school sports. Uh, with me, if the NFL or the NBA or the rest of the professional sports didn't exist, it wouldn't bother me at all as far as that concern. And I wouldn't have any interest uh, anyway to coach beyond the level of of high school because I might as well have stayed on the job that I was on if I was going to do that because you're dealing directly with white people in one faith. Uh, you, you're dealing directly with white people on, on, on a daily basis. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's just two things that uh, – for the most part, a constructive, uh, uh, but I, hopefully uh, the uh, the first uh, child that I mentioned would uh, somehow uh, grow through that the advent of uh, anti-blackness, and uh, because I, I've been trying to uh, share with him every opportunity that I get uh, about uh, the uh, silliness that he's been confronted with for most of most if not all of his life. And to kind of like uh, assist in bringing some clarity to his to his understanding about who he actually is as a person, and and to kind of like uh, dissolve a lot of that ne- uh, negativity that he's been indoctrinated with. Still working on him, but uh, thank everybody for listening. Appreciate that. That is. Uh... That is pretty sad, um, particularly if, if even the adults are engaging in, you know, the anti-black names uh, that are, are. Well, you know, they, they recently stopped. They, okay. they recently. So without without nobody coming to me, in a sense, I think they listened because I said it boldly right in front of them. I, I, I said, stop calling him Spade. You know, stop. And I gave reasoning on why. Stop calling him Spade. And uh, I noticed, I noticed uh, when fall practice started, I started hearing I started hearing them call him by his his uh, first name. And uh, so I, it, it was no, nobody but me that was bringing that logic to them. So I, I, I was assuming they was going straight off of what I was saying, and it made sense to them. And because nobody actually brought it back to my attention or made any argument or anything like that, because I was certainly prepared for the deal with that, you know, in other words, cause I've, I've been, I've been talking codification, you know, like Mr. Fuller said, you don't have to say, you don't have to really say anything about racism, white supremacy, just talk about justice and automatically, you know, especially white people, they're going to know, they don't know what's the alternative to justice It's injustice. And they also know that that, materializes into what we call racism white supremacy. So I just brought that to them in that way. I said, uh, in order to reduce conflict between people, you should only call them by the name they would like to be called. Period. Call him. His name is Dimitri. That's his name. Call him by that name. 
you know, and uh, like I said, nobody ever came to me about it, you know, or, or negative, whether from a negative or a positive side, but I did notice the coaches that was calling in spades stopped calling in spades and started calling by his first name. <laughs> but uh, so codification works. Even on the job. Amen. That's, yes, sir. <laughs> and that's certainly, I think that's something that can be applied uh, in the workplace. I know I've heard Mr. Fuller talk about that and others as well in terms of uh, even, I know we have people that are listening right now uh, who uh, are not into, I don't make friends with other non-white people on the job and we're not pals and they might mess you over on the job as well. That's certainly true. But you can still employ counter-racism in I am not going to call any black people on the job anything other than their name. Uh, I am not going to engage in any anti-black uh, behaviors. And just that alone can have a constructive impact. Cause I, and I have seen the exact same thing that a uh, retired firefighter just shared where and you're not even bringing up white supremacy explicitly. Just, you know, I don't name call. I'm going to call if the person's name mm -hmm. is Dimitri or Mr. Johnson or whatever uh, their name is. That's what I'm going to call them every time. And I have seen where that can end up spreading, where people and just that alone, that would be huge. That would have such a constructive impact, particularly as it relates to black self-respect and just minimizing conflict. It would have. And I have seen it. Not it would. It does frequently have such a constructive impact for us and helping us minimize some of the problems and just you never know if you just want to take the example that he shared with this young uh, black male you have no idea the amount of damage that that sort of stuff does uh, where you're being called these names all the time and people constantly degrading you particularly if it's degrading you because you are highly melanated uh, or anything in association uh, with you being a black person uh, just those old insults and, and name calling and stuff and particularly it gets carried out for the duration of your life uh, just having that eliminated in one area of your life it can just be such a relief to not have to hear that to not have to hear those insults man uh it is <laughs> beyond refreshing so that's something i hope we can all employ uh on our jobs uh all areas of people activity really uh to try to minimize the anti-blackness uh that we are participating in and, and to the best of our ability discouraging other victims of racism uh from participating and promoting that sort of incorrect behavior as well that is uh Outstanding work, Mr. Uh, retired Firefighter. I'm working at it. <laughs> I'm working at it. For sure. Uh, other folks, if you all had questions uh, about anything that we've heard thus far, or if you have your own situation that you would like to share, feel free. Uh, dial in, or if you're already with us and you have a hand up, uh, feel free to share. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Oh, yes, I'm ready to share my workplace observations. Um, one actually happened on the way to work, and this is to show you how uh, tacky, crashing, and trifling light wind can be. I was uh, heading into the job, and I stopped to get something to eat real quick. Um, I usually like to take, like, my herbs and stuff that I take regularly. I like to take it in the morning so I get something to eat to kind of help uh, facilitate the absorption. So I stopped by to get something, and there's this white lady wearing a Halloween outfit, uh, begging for money and begging for breakfast. So I'm listening to actually an archive episode of The Cow. So she's uh, asking a couple of other people before I get this. So I just bypass her having her conversation, and I get in the line. So as I'm standing in line, she comes up to me, and she says, excuse me. So I just look at her like she, you know, was a piece of feces that got stuck to my shoe. 
and I pay him no attention. I keep listening to the program and I go back to waiting to be served by the person at the counter. So then she gets extra annoying and she comes around and says, excuse me again. So then I get really annoyed. I'll pull my hands out and I say, what do you want? So then she says, um, can you please give me some money? I'm homeless and poor. Can you get me a breakfast sandwich or something? I, I just looked at her with the look of death and I said, not this morning. And then I just put my headphones back in and I just went back to uh, waiting to be served. And at that point she got the message and she backed off. Um, again, she should have known from the way I looked at her the first time, nothing was going down, but she had to be white and just press the issue until I had to really just really, uh, give her the tactical death stare for her to back the heck off. Horrible. Now on the job, this is a observation that I found very telling because this is the first time I've experienced this so direct on the job. So we're sitting in the uh, meeting, uh, a team meeting for all of the people that are under this particular supervisor, which includes myself. And it's about maybe I say uh, about 12 to 15 people in the room and we're having uh, our, what they call our little huddle. So when we get there, we find out different changes in the company or things that are changing for how we do certain processes and procedures um, in dealing with the, uh, me, the different members that are seeking assistance with their healthcare coverage or things of that nature. So as she's having a discussion, she brings up the fact that uh, next week is supposed to be uh, customer service appreciation week. So we all started laughing just because of how horrible things are on the job and how crappy we're all treated in that department anyway. So everyone just really started cracking up. So as she goes through, she says, well, there's different themes for each day. And one day you, you can wear your favorite uh, team's football shirt. Another day you can wear, like, pajamas to work. Another day, she said, was called Black and White Day. So everyone kind of looked at each other strange with black and white day. So she went on to explain that, you know, you can wear something black and white to work that day. And then she actually threw in a, a phrase. She said, well, black and white day isn't racism day. And everybody just started laughing. I just looked around at everybody because I didn't think it was funny, but everybody just looked around. I mean, started laughing. And then I just thought to myself, that's very interesting. So black and white day is racism day. And that's what she equates it with. So I didn't say anything. I just looked at everyone and kind of took in my surroundings because the vast majority of people in the room were non-white. There were a few other black people, but they laughed with everyone else. One of them was a homosexual male. Um, so I just kind of took in everyone's reaction, and I was the only person who really didn't find it funny. I didn't choose to say anything in the moment because it just didn't strike me as something important to speak out about. I just made a mental note that she actually said something like that in the middle of our of this meeting and I actually wrote it down and I put it in my little file for later, like I do with anything that's race related that takes place in the job. So those are my workplace uh, observations. Thank you. Treachery of commuting under racism, white supremacy, man. Um, just with the, with those themes that they have, right? The uh, black and white day and pajamas and the jerseys. Uh, my recommendation would probably be to not participate in any of that. Uh, Rod seems pretty codified, so it seems like he probably wouldn't be anyway. But that seems like just the type of thing that, uh, like I said consistently, just in terms of as victims of racism, we really want to make an effort to set a tone of being serious on the job in how we conduct ourselves. And I just don't think, I think people have talked about it before where they see uh, if it's a non-white person and they come and they have, uh, wardrobe in alignment with whatever their religious practices are or what have you. White people don't bother them. They don't picket them. They, you know, allow them to do their thing. I think the same thing 
uh, black people victims of racism. We're terrorized all the time. Uh, I just on a job. I just don't think it's sending the correct signal under conditions of war being waged against us to show up and you're in pajamas or footies or whatever uh, because it's pajama day or, you know, it's football day or just whatever the nonsense is. I'm here. This is what I normally wear uh, for work. Let's go to work uh, and be serious about that. Let's get it done. That would be my recommendation on that. As I said, the, the horrors of the workplace commute, we talked about that before too. I think that's uh, a part, unfortunately, of workplace racism and what you have to deal with in getting uh, to and from the job. Well done. Not helping whites. Uh, and that comment right there that the uh, race soldier on the job made about black and white day is not supposed to be about racism in my view that once again they reveal that they are not ignorant about racism that is at the forefront of their mind anytime any concept any notion uh, of colors comes up that is what they're thinking about the war against people they say are colored uh, other folks uh, that chimed in, if you had either questions on what you've heard thus far, if you had your own situation uh, that you wanted to share, your line should be open. Feel free. Um, I'll be all right. Hey, Thomas. I'll go in after you. Oh, okay. I just wanted to say to what Ra said, you know, it's funny that everything he said is the same things they start these kids doing in school. It's like a social conditioning. Like my kids get this pajama day. And, um, you know, they got to wear a particular color scheme one day. Just this week they had to wear, last week, um, a sports team um, day. And it's like, you know, it's like they're conditioning them now in school to accept this crazy behavior because they do, they do that same stuff that jobs I've had. And I just don't understand it. Um, now, as for the white person asking for change, you know, unless I see a coworker around, I usually always bring up, um, you know, why would you ask a black person for change knowing how much money white people have? Why don't you go ask one of your people? You know, that's usually my response to that, some kind of inclination that you need to be asking white people for change um, because white people, I think they love to ask black people for change because somehow we're the people that give it to them. And I'll meet my wife. Thank you. Rob, uh, in Wisconsin, are you going to share, sir? Not here. Don't know if he hit his mute button or not. Oh, looks like he disconnected. Well, when he calls back in, we'll pick him up while we're waiting for Rob. Any other folks, if you all had questions, uh, commentary you wanted to share, uh, feel free. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, thank you, sir. Uh, greetings to Gus, the host the listeners and callers, um, two, two points that, uh, some of the previous male callers touched on. Uh, I think that was Thomas that spoke about the, the, uh, the behavior pattern of, uh, white people who like to request, uh, money, you know, or try and ask only black people for money. Like I've had that happen to me, like on the way walking somewhere, like, Basically, it'll be uh, some white people walking in front of me. And, like, I remember one time, it was, like, a couple of white people walking in front of me, and I was talking to another black person. And uh, I think I had, like, one of my headphones out or something, and I was focusing on the conversation. And the guy says, uh, <laughs> he says, 
well, hey, hey, brother, can you uh, can you spend some change? So I didn't respond. I just kept walking. So, um, you know, uh, I was talking to the other black person. So, you know, but he, he didn't ask the the uh, white people that, you know, they're going to get in this, uh, you know, BMW and all that, but didn't ask them. So I guess that is that thing where they tend to get that from uh, other victims, non-white people, and the, the issue with uh, being uh, very melanated, uh, uh, a heavy concentration of melanin. Like, I definitely, I can see, like, how I'm perceived, like, on my job. Like, it's people, I guess, who have a sense of appreciation for me. But, um, like, I can definitely sense that. Like, a lot of uh, contemptuous, um, I guess, uh, you know, behavior toward me. Like, I guess it can be kind of subtle because I can definitely tell, like, the difference in how I'm looked at even, like, regardless of how courteous that I am, and the most, uh, even, like, rude white person can definitely get a lot of, you know, uh, I guess, constructive attention to them, and they don't have to really do, you know, anything that people look up to, I guess, if I could say that. So I could, I could definitely see the, uh, the difference, you know, just in paying attention to that. And, uh, I had a, a quick conversation with uh, one of the judges upstairs, and I guess he said his J.A. was gone because I was going to pick up papers from him. And uh, so I guess you, uh, you, you're you taking care of everything solo or something, I said. And he says, yeah, you know, well, you know, i kind of always been a bastard. So um, you know, I just uh, I laughed at what he said because I guess he was making fun of himself. So. You know, he laughed as well. So I, I, I still didn't understand what that really meant. So um, that, that was one incident. Uh, I had uh, a black person. She had an accent. I guess she might have been from a, possibly an African country. Um, and, you know, I was trying to help some kids with some crayons and some paper because we like to uh, make sure we accommodate the kids you know, the young, the young children, I guess, to keep them busy when someone's coming to get, like, a marriage license. And the lady, uh, she's um, uh, a black female. She says, you know what, you, you, uh, you African-Americans, you black people are, are just being killed, you know. And, uh, like, it was just, like, out of nowhere, you know. And she said, yeah, you're being killed, and you, you have it hard. It's very difficult. But I'm thinking... Man, you know, she under the same pressure. You under the same system. She, you know, just as subjugated as me. But, uh, you know, possibly that was a lot of confusion coming from uh, another victim. So um, that was one, that was another incident. And like in the same area, like I'm a training with two females and uh, another white female. And uh, there was, she was talking about how, you know, like the, the white person that works with us, she was like, man, you know, such and such, she's going to vote for Donald Trump. And, you know, I just don't get it. You know, we talk and everything. And how can you vote for him? You know, basically, I guess, trying to bring up that uh, she suspects that Mr. Trump is a racist and uh, this person that she has conversations with, you know, that works with us. 
is going to vote for him, you know, and she seemed very confused by it. So, you know, I didn't really offer too much commentary. Uh, and she, she, this same female had, um, she was, she was becoming very upset because this white man that came in there, he was very discourteous and saying like, Hey, you know, when I ask you something, I expect you to know it. And then I guess the white woman was kind of getting upset, trying to, uh, answer his questions. And, you know, she was (laughs) like, I went, I went to talk to her, you know, I guess I was trying to get her to calm down, you know, when hardly no one was in the uh, room because the guy reportedly, he said something about, yeah, you know, uh, this is, this used to be a good courthouse and now we have the funny farm in here. So I guess she, uh, she, she called the guy racist um, in front of everybody. And then she said, like, when we was talking, she wrote down on a sheet of paper saying that these are two things that I don't do. She wrote it on a piece of paper. She wrote the word racist. And then she wrote a line. And then she said another thing that I don't deal with. She wrote another word and it was ignorant. So, <laughs> so I thought about that word ignorant. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> no, white people aren't ignorant. So. I guess that's how she interpreted it. And uh, uh, one one last thing was the the clerk, the guy who's running, the the white guy. He's been pointing out some very uh, wicked uh, practices this guy's done. Like like I mentioned before, he decided to retire one week before the the due date for anybody to put in a did to run as a candidate, and that made he did that so. It could make someone pay eight thousand dollars to run against him. So this guy's uh, apparently a write-in, and he mentioned that his son has the same initials, so that he suspects that he did this. So the people who's going to vote next month will uh, vote for the same guy because they think they'll be voting for the guy that's already been in office. So just more um, very. Uh, evil or racist practices by um, suspected white supremacists. Um, That's all I have for this week. Thank you. Wow. Just uh, the ignorance, that's every day, all day long, uh, somehow uh, when racists practice racism, it somehow gets chalked up to ignorance. uh, That major part of the problem right there Uh, we need to stop thinking that this is ignorance or crazy or whatever other uh, terms that are used that do not accurately capture the pathology and this is deliberate scientific uh, pathology of racist man racist woman racist child um the last portion as well, because I remember you had talked about that before with this guy that's supposed to be, I guess, leaving office where he deliberately waited until very close to the deadline to make this decision. So they would compromise other people if they were interested in trying to take this position that he is vacating and then setting it up. So I guess his offspring or whoever is related to him can get the position since they have similar initials and people will be confused. Uh, just even though that might not necessarily be a direct act of racism, in my view, it's the same type of behavior where again it's this is not ignorance this is deliberate deception uh, and benefiting from confusion that's something i'm going to bring up again uh, on the uh, compensatory call in this weekend but why i i maintain 
making an effort to strive for accuracy, that in and of itself will work against racism. You don't even have to mention uh, the term racism, just making an effort to strive for accuracy. We want things to be correct. We want things to be truthful. That works against a system that is held together with deception. Um, yeah, there was some other. We had another uh, campaign thing. Yeah, so I said it's going to be more and more. That's going to come up, I suspect, real, real hard the last 30 days as we go into uh, the voting uh, in November. Just be mindful about that. It shouldn't be anything where you get emotional, that people are jumping up and down and saying that they're for Trump or whatever, whatever they're saying about the uh, election. As I said, just have your code for how you want to respond, what you want to say, what you don't want to say. And. Uh, I would I wouldn't care if they came in and they were dressed exactly like Donald Trump. They had Donald Trump on their cell phone. Uh, They had all his paraphernalia on. I can't wait. Let's get that wall up. Put you niggers in place. Mm hmm. That's interesting. Mm hmm. Just make note of it. Document and keep rolling. It should not be anything that gets you upset and just already have in mind what you want to say. If they should ask, you know, who you're going to vote for, what you're going to what your plans are for the upcoming election. Uh, if other folks, uh, if you all have questions, comments, you want to make sure you get in, should be with us. I think uh, Robin, Wisconsin, should be back. Are you again with us, sir? Yes, sir. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. I got kicked off the line. Greetings, <clears throat> uh, Gus, and uh, the rest of the callers and listeners on the line. Uh, Rob chiming in from Milwaukee. Uh, just got a couple of observations uh, from the classroom. Uh, Starting uh, yesterday, um, it was a black female, uh, one of my classmates, uh, her son is in high school. He attends a um, predominantly white school, and uh, she broke down in class. The previous week, we had a discussion about uh, the, the professor asked us, what did Black Lives Matter uh, mean to us? You know, so everybody was chiming in about that. And this week it was a continuation of the conversation. Uh, people was kind of giving a little commentary. And um, she spoke up and said that a teacher um, had said something really racist to her son. And um, she was very emotional about it. Um, I can tell that... Um, she had been just kind of blindsided by this uh, act of terrorism. And, um, you know, her response was, you know, my family, we never talked about racism. And I found that very um, uh, uniform almost. You know, it seemed like as black people, that's just kind of what we conditioned to, uh, we can condition not to talk about racism and then we encounter a situation like that and just be totally taken off guard but um so she said that uh she didn't appreciate the way that they were treating him um she said that they were treating him like a criminal and uh one of the most things that stood out to me she said that you know his grandmother is um part indian and white you know, and how am I supposed to talk about this with him and he not feel differently about his grandmother? You know, and I, that really just uh, stood out to me. Um, it just showed me how um, confused we are um, about racism and knowing um, when we see white people um, in relationships with black people, 
um, a lot of us as black people who do not see that as a racial maximum aggression, you know, and um, that was uh, one observation that I had this evening. Um, this professor, um, white male, um, he has makes a lot of sexual references during his lectures. Okay, so during the lecture this evening, he's talking about something, and then he just say, you know, everybody has a trampoline. Everybody buys trampolines. Now, that already stood out to me because I'm thinking, like, hell, where I live at, no, nobody got trampolines in their yard. So that was kind of already um, him, I guess, speaking to a um, – maybe to the more white people that's in the class or whatever, but to make a general statement like that, like everybody has a trampoline. No, that ain't even true. But so after he said that, you know, then he jumps to um, people, uh, people's children are going to lose their virginity on the trampoline. Now, we're not talking about sex in any kind of way, but, you know, he just kind of finds a way to throw that in there. And I just kind of find these sex. Lecture, um, he referenced to driving past and seeing people having intercourse on the front line. Now, again, it's no connection um, to the actual lecture uh, that we're um, having. Okay, so. He's explaining some theories to us. This is a sociology class. Okay, so he's explaining uh, deviance in a deviant group. Okay, and so he's explaining these different theories. And um, it's uh, like, a, well, I don't want to go into the theories, but to save time, you know, he's talking about these theories. So I raise my hand. I'm like, um, that sounds like, you know, the word nigga being attached to black people, you know, and that sounds more, you know, that sounds just like black people experience in America. And so he like, ah, you know, kind of do one of those numbers to um, signal that I wasn't exactly hitting the mark, which I knew I was. Okay, so now he, um, we watching the video, okay, and the video is a connection to the theories that he just explained, and we're supposed to watch the video and connect the theories to the video that we watching. So the video was very disturbing. Um, you have a white um, documentary maker on a safari ride, basically, and just getting a upside view, a close a ring side view of mistreating the niggas. And so make a long story short, when the video over, <laughs> a black female in the class um, he asking about how we thought about the video, what we thought about the video, uh, a black female raised her hand and said, uh, I think the video confirmed what Robert said earlier. And uh, thank you for taking the call. Wow. What uh, the the mother who spoke up in class who said that her son was uh, violated by some teacher, did she say what the teacher said to her child? Nah, it, you know, she didn't want to get too explicit because I think it is some, you know, it's some white people in the classroom, a couple of white people, 
And so I ain't, I didn't think she wanted to get explicit. And another thing, like, what kind of, you know, I think brought it to a head, this white girl came in, and she was like, yeah, you know, um, I was at work. I'm a massage therapist in a predominantly white area. And she said that, you know, from the conversation that we had last week, I was basically in tears at work. Uh, some older uh suspected racist white woman um, said that she didn't want a massage from a colored person. And she was like, you know, I just immediately thought back to this class and the and the question that you threw out there. And I'm just kind of looking at her like, nah, no, you know, anyway. But, yeah, that's, that's all I had. Wow. Always grand. Uh, I my sympathies with the uh, black mother and, and uh, that sort of situation where you have whites where they come in and comment, even if she's alluding to the fact that she was allegedly in tears about racism and it's so terrible, like uh, that's just gross uh, is an understatement. Uh, but I have seen how sometimes that can uh, undermine uh, when black people are attempting to have honest dialogue about racism when you have whites who are uh, inserting their comments as though they're so shook up about this and they're so sad and crying and all the, the other nonsense that they do to just further practice racism and uh, fake us into thinking, fake us out and have us thinking that, oh, yeah, we got, you know, someone who's legitimately concerned about the plight of Negras. Um, the latter one, I think it's it is always tremendous, even though, you know, we shouldn't be looking for it. You know, United Independent, you just go out and do what you do and no expectation of that any black person is going to agree with you or support what you have to say. But I think it's always great uh, when you can make commentary, uh, present your view on racism, white supremacy and a white person tries to belittle you or you don't know what you're talking. What are you talking about? This is, you know, related to how black people are mistreated. Uh, and then you can have a black person who is there to confirm Yes, I see the same thing, and I agree. That is always awesome, and I have seen where that can totally shift uh, the conversation when the black people do not just accept what the white person says, when they actually are in agreement, yeah. united, independent, and in how they're going about uh, just being honest uh, about white supremacy racism. That is well, fantastic. Gus, can I add one more thing? I'm sorry, but I think that this is... Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Okay. Um so when he's explaining this thing, right now, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of get him right when he said this, but I was reserved because I felt like that I would get a chance to um, interject my thoughts into the into the conversation. So he uh, wrote Rebel, okay, and in one of these theories, and I'll just go. So his definition for the word Rebel was um, rejecting both of the uh, themes that he had, mainstream goals um, accomplished by legitimate means. Okay, so he said a rebel rejects both of those but suggests new goals and new means. Okay, now I can go with that. So now he's like, now we're going to look at some examples of rebels. And he said Martin Luther King um, was a deviant rebel. Okay. Now, uh, let's say I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt, and I'm not really under, uh, know what's going on, and, you know, you put that out there, that MLK was a deviant rebel, okay? Then he said another example of a deviant rebel would be people that 
homeschooled their children. And then he said that he wasn't exactly sure if uh, the homeschoolers would be a rebel or not. But, you know, he was definitely sure about MLK. He was just, you know, just a rebel, a deviant, and I thought that really stood out to me. And thank you. Tackiness abounds. Tackiness abounds. Uh, now, and a lot of that would come down now. What do you mean when we say legitimate? Uh, what, do we, what do you mean when we say mainstream as well? But uh, it's always some way, regardless of who the black person is, uh, where they are going to be talked about in that manner. Uh, I think with uh, Rosa Parks, my BFF, Amy Goodman, uh, they described her as a troublemaker uh, when they were doing a tribute. I think it was 60 year, the 60 year anniversary of her uh, refusing to get up on the uh, the bus in Alabama. This was uh, 2014, uh, where they continued describing her as a troublemaker, uh, as though that was something to be proud of. I know Madiba. Uh, where people, same type of verbiage, uh, describe him as uh, a troublemaker, uh, where it'll be these type of terms where they will allege and try and spin it and say, oh, yeah, this is, you know, they were great and they did great things, but it's the same type of terms uh, that have connotations and denotations that, no, these people are just niggers, troublemaking niggers at that, not people who were fighting for justice. And note, he did not pick out any whites uh, to say, yes, this is a deviant rant, even attaching the word deviant in it. I thought we were just describing what a rebel is and laying out a definition. Where did the word deviant uh, come from? What do you mean deviant? Um, standard. Uh, well, whites do that sort of thing on a regular basis, and a lot of that happens, especially in the academy, where you have lots of whites who are very knowledgeable about the power of words and how they condition us to think and respond just with the way that you use words and even the way that you define words since he did attach a definition to uh some of the terminology that was being used uh other folks who are with us please do not wait till the last minute if you have not uh put a hand up if you have commentary do not wait till we get to the final moment to decide that you want to chime in and have a comment uh commentary or a question about something that has been shared uh any folks that we have not heard from at all anybody with us that we have not heard from at all hey gus can i be heard Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> tonight, I, I think I'm going to be formal. My name is Ramon, uh, and I want the audience to know that. Um, and I'm calling from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Um, chiming in, I, I, I first of all just kind of want to uh, touch on some of the racism, you know, in the workplace. I don't know if my story actually connects, but maybe it does. Um, I, I think forms for people who work for themselves, such as myself being an independent contractor, often I, I realize for a minute that I kind of lost touch with reality, not realizing to keep my eyes alert until just the other day. Uh, I reminded myself um, of my duty, I guess is what I want to call it. But I happen to be in a customer's house where we're doing some remodeling and and, you know, alterations and things. And I, it, actually, this is a customer of mine that has called, that calls me periodically throughout the year, you know, has done it for many years. So they're a repeat customer. Only the first time have I ever really had a chance to see the depths of their living style when we were asked to do some alterations in their basement. And I couldn't help notice, you know, but I try to keep myself composed. But I noticed there's a workstation in their uh, basement and the 
I'll just say one of the family members is makes it a hobby to make bullets. Um, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I don't know how this ties to, you know, workplace racism for people. But for me, what I get out of these type of things, you know, is that, you know, I get to go to these different neighborhoods where a lot of people don't get a chance to see how these people that we, we talk about see things and really talk. The funny thing is one of my plumbers that I hired to do a lot of work for me, um, and I was I was already aware he's a white man. I, I knew these were the type of people that would, you know, keep guns and rifles and stuff. But him and I happened to see the the, the gun making station and the son of the owner happened to be home that morning. They got to talking their little stuff, so I'm standing there, you know, I'm like I don't feel like I need to say nothing. Because this is a conversation I might learn something from. However, I got a chance to see my plumber in his true nature when the when the weapons and stuff come to play. And this is something I realized, you know, that I I don't think a lot of us really take seriously. Now I don't know where a lot of other people listening may live, but I can tell you here in the country lands or in the highlands of uh, Colorado, people believe in that stuff. You know, it's the home of the musket and all of that. Uh, this, as the conversation progressed, the son told me that um, his dad makes about a thousand rounds a day. <laughs> so I was like, you know, wow, you know, just really shocked by this. And I, I, I guess the reason why I wanted to just say this is because I don't know if we understand the depths of really what these people perceive as an enemy. I and here's what I got from my plumber when he started to tell me. He said he believes that, you know, we have a problem with tweakers. That's his words. So drug addicts is only way I could take that. Gangs. If anyone knows anything about Colorado Springs, we've had to correct people here because I'm originally from Oklahoma City. So I know what slums look like. And, you know, we constantly, I mean, every once in a while you hear people in the city try to say, oh, you know, you know the ghetto part of town. It's like Colorado Springs don't have no ghetto. Matter of fact, we barely have trash on the ground. So it, 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 it's apparent to me no matter what we do as a people, this is why I agree with you, Gus, on your definition of racism, white supremacy. It, it, it's an active a co cooperation period. And if anybody is fooled by that, I would encourage them to truly ask that question that Dr. Francis Cress Wells has said. I asked the guy at the job, I mean, at a gas station on my way home from work getting gas. I just asked him, hey, man, what do y'all talk about? What do white people talk about when there ain't no black people here? And his, or, you know, any people of color or anybody of any other group other than white. He, you know, first he tried to sell it to me as though, well, the people I hang around with, you know, we don't really talk about much. I said, well, what about the ones that want to, you know, build buddy-buddy relationships? You know, what do they talk about? He's like, oh, yeah, some of them be very nasty. You know, I don't listen to that stuff. I don't get involved, you know. And I just told him, I said, well, if you stand there and listen and your response is not to say that's not true, then I believe that you practice racism myself, personally. That's just mine. Going back to my plumber, who I said showed, I mean, I've seen this guy really get a hard on. I never saw this before out of him. 
But when them bullets and <laughs> that weaponry was in front of him, I really saw the different person in him. So we ended up having a two-hour talk on my on my time about this whole conversation. I knew this guy for 14 years, and this was the first time we talked about racism. My My understanding of how he sees it was that there is no racism. It's just people who do bad things that need to be dealt with. I personally, I wouldn't never, I don't accept that excuse. And I told him that I said, personally, I think you're just trying to make me feel comfortable. I said, so let me tell you, there's nothing you could ever say will make me feel comfortable about what white people really truly feel. Cause I've lived the experience. I know what they're about. So my reason for calling in is just to say, I want people listening to this, your, 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 your program to understand and not, I don't think I'm telling anybody nothing new, but I just want to reinforce that thinking that we really cannot let our guard down. And I have to say, for anybody in my position working as an independent contractor, particularly as in building, I've learned now that I have to go to work with ways of protecting myself, that if somebody was to catch me off guard while I'm with my back to them, you know, because something I noticed with them is they like to creep up on you when you're working and I don't like that digressing off that. I wanted to make a comment about that girl Friedman or whatever she was on your show yesterday. I only caught the ass in of it. So I had to go listen to the podcast this morning. I, I, I think I mentioned to you before in the past, I've had, my wife says I must be a white girl magnet because I have to literally beat them off of me. Um, I remember a scenario with a, a female like her when I was about 18 years old, a girl who wouldn't stop chasing me to the point that I just had to ask her, uh, what do you want? It does sound me? like we veered off of workplace racism a little bit. I do try. I'm to sorry. Do I'm sorry, Gus. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just wanted to say that about, you know, working in, you know, an independent contracting. So I'll leave it at that. I'll mute my line. For sure. If you uh, want to give us your commentary on, uh, Kelly Freeman, uh, the compensatory call in this Saturday, uh, I would be interested in hearing it. But uh, once we uh, deviate off workplace racism, it seems to uh, just pick up momentum where other people are, are off topic and talking about other things. Um, that is fascinating, your experience with the uh, white folks in Colorado. Just for uh, reminder, context, Colorado, this is where the, uh, the shooting uh, Columbine High School, uh, where the young white savages went and shot up all those people. Uh, I think that was 98, 99 uh, when that took place. And then you had the Aurora uh, shooting uh, that took place. I think that was back in 2012, somewhere around there. Uh, and he got a hospital, Gus. Just, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but James, uh, the guy you're talking about, he got a. He ended up getting sent to the to insane ward down in Pueblo, Colorado. Right. That's your answer for that was not shot after he had shot all these people in the theater and killed all these people. He was not uh, killed uh, like so many black people uh, with a book or Skittles or whatever. He was taken into custody uh, and given his trial, his day uh, in court. But this is, you know, Colorado. Uh, even Crystal Tyler, I believe, is, is out in those parts uh, since she got mentioned during the program with uh, Kelly Friedman a couple days ago. Uh, she wrote The Wheat Money and is married to a black crack addict. 
in Colorado. But uh, I think that is absolutely in terms of just being able to take that seriously. I'm glad because uh, I've said consistently, I think it would be helpful if we had black people who are what they call self-employed dial in to share how they experience racism, white supremacy uh, on the job because you're still going to be having to deal with whites. So it's not going to extinguish your experience with racism. It'll just change how you are having to deal with it. And uh, actually being in a white person's house and having them making all of these bu- uh, bullets, uh, that is nonsense to think that they're doing this. Uh, the enemy, the person on the target invariably is someone dark. Uh, and even that was even stated in the Columbine shooting uh, where they had a white female witness said that uh, one of the shooters uh, shot and killed a black student because he was black. That's what she said explicitly. Uh, this was in the interviews hours after the shooting, but just uh, keeping that in mind uh, at all times and taking it seriously that this is war uh, waged in all areas of people activity uh, and just being real serious uh, about what that means and, and how we go about dealing with racist man, racist woman, racist child uh, and just really not trying to minimize uh, that that's what it is uh, and, you know, uh, con- adjusting our behavior accordingly. I think that would be best. Has it has there been, uh, I guess, any incidents with the white person that you had to uh, employ to do plumbing for you? Uh, has have anything uh, has anything popped up uh, with dealing with this person? No, uh, the, the thing about it is he's a, a older gentleman in the 60s. So he, he kind of, you know, he understands when to kind of you know, quell itself down. So I know he's really experiencing this thing. But I will say this, though. I hired a gentleman uh, one year, uh, one of my neighbors, white guy, little young guy, just had got back from the war. So I brought him in, and, um, uh, you know, on our personal time, we talk and visit a little bit. And, you know, he was one of them guys that he, he felt that these things that, for example, I'll give you an example. He he made a joke one day, said, what do you call a a, a black woman pregnant? I mean, what do you call a black baby, you know, when they're still uh, in the mother's belly? And I said, well, what? You know, I just want to hear what he had to say. He said, a cotton picker. With the base, he made the reference that if a woman put a tampon in while she's pregnant, the baby would be a cotton picker. So, you know, I just want people to understand we don't escape racism regardless. You know, it really is real. And that I'll mute my line. Appreciate the racist jokes. Always fascinating. You get to see it. That's what they think of all of us. Uh, black males, black females, black children, even before they are born, subject to racism, white supremacy. Uh, folks have uh, comments. Make sure if you have commentary and we haven't heard from you, you should get your hand up now. Please do not wait till the last minute uh, to dial in if you have something you would like to share. Uh, is there anybody that we missed? Anybody who has a hand up that we have not heard from at all? May I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, how's it going? This is Ori in Dallas. Greeting to you, Gus. Greeting to all the callers. Um. I wanted to say, uh, well, first off, um, kind of going back to the beginning of the show, uh, Thomas, I, I believe, made a reference to white people talking to them about Donald Trump. And I wanted to say I must work with some very refined racists because I haven't heard anything from uh, white people about Donald Trump, even uh, even with all of his uh, views. You know, I haven't heard anything about him. Uh Get into my my observation. I want to start out by saying 
I may be wrong about this whole thing. Uh, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist or anything, but I'm eager to hear what uh, the other callers have to to say uh, any commentary on it. But um, recently, uh, a week ago, we just got done doing our uh, uh, annual wellness reviews. And so what that is is, you know, when you go and have your wellness screening for your, your health insurance and stuff like that, um, we were told that it was required to have a screening if we wanted to pay the minimal amount. And so um, we were also recently informed that um, if we haven't made any, I, I guess you could say, progression from our last uh, wellness screening, that we will be subject to a, a increase, uh, a payment increase. And so I, I felt that, you know, the company was practicing racism because, you know, white people know that uh, black people, we don't eat the adequate food to sustain um, optimal health. I'm going to steal that word from Ross. Uh, and we don't get enough sleep to sustain optimal health. So I just figured that uh, this is them trying to get us to pay a, a higher uh, insurance rate than than what's normally uh, paid by the the uh, other white workers, and um, with that said, oh, I also want to add in for any new listeners that's listening in tonight or will be listening um, to the archives of this show. Always ask questions, always document, and um, watch how white people use words. They are a master at using words. One word that uh, comes to mind is tasteful. They always use that word tastefully in, like uh, I've been reading. Um, my employee handbook and I've seen that word, you know, several times and I, you know, come to the conclusion that tasteful is however they want to perceive it at that time. You know, I, I have a lot of tattoos and, you know, I ran across the section, you know, talking about tattoos and they were saying, you know, they have to be tasteful. Well, you know, to one person, something can be tasteful to the next person, something, you know, is not as tasteful. So, you know, just watch how white people use words, and I'll meet my line on that note. Oh, and kudos on last night's show. I just wanted to throw that in there. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. The infamous Kelly Freeman. Uh, that word, uh, tasteful, that's why I've been encouraging folks. Read your policy and procedure and do not wait until, you know, things have hit the fan, so they say, before you start reading it. But that word, tasteful, exactly as you said, that's going to give whites a lot of discretion uh, on the job, just as you stated, that's so subjective. What is quote unquote tasteful to you might not be tasteful to me, and invariably is probably going to be a white person who gets to make the decision about what is quote unquote tasteful. Uh, that is not, in my view, that just leaves a lot of room for interpretation, and that's why I've said when you see things in policy like that, that's where they have the room to practice racism. Uh, with exactly. the with the first part of uh, what you sh uh, shared, and certainly other people can offer their views as well, uh, it reminded me immediately, uh, Mr. Demry Four, uh, he participates in our book study session regularly, uh, see if he's there tomorrow, but he shared, uh, this was some years back, we were talking about workplace racism, and he shared that on his job, uh, they are required to get some sort of physical checkup, you know, on whatever the intervals are, if it's a yearly thing or every other year, whatever it is, they retri they're required to get physicals. And what he was observing is that somehow they would 
screen the black people, but something would happen where it would be a conversation or something would take place where the black person, when they would go to do their screening, they would have been agitated. So their blood pressure would be higher and all these other, the stress, whatever stressor they had encountered before that would end up impacting mm-hmm. their screening. And so then it comes out like, oh man, your blood pressure is, you know, such and such. And it's a little bit high. And oh man, this might be a risk factor. So it was impacting their employment status if they were going to get these uh, physicals and they were saying, oh man, your health is not good. And you might not be able to maintain employment because we got to have healthy uh, employees. And it was seeming like this was not a one person thing. It was seeming like this was happening to quite a few black workers uh, where they were getting these physicals that might jeopardize their continued employment. And I think that 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 is uh, widespread, even though you were saying that it might your assessment was that this might be something to get black people to have to pay a higher rate. I think sometimes this is done deliberately to totally disqualify and or exclude uh, black people from employment. Uh, and they just have little deceptive ways of doing it. If you're going to be called in, you got to have a talk with your boss. Like I think even uh, what the female caller mentioned before, they make a submission, hand in this assignment, and then you meet with your boss. Like, oh man, you messed this up. This isn't what I asked for. You got to go back and do this again. And then you got to have a back and forth with them where you're upset, raises your blood pressure and all that. And then it's, oh, okay, now it's time for you to go in and get your physical. I think this is a standard tactic. I think this is something that whites have done regularly. Uh, and it could be either or, as you said, to make back black people have to pay more for their health insurance and or to be a way to exclude you from employment, to just say that you're not healthy so you can no longer uh, work here. Uh, did other folks have uh, thoughts on that? I don't know if we have other people who have uh, have to have any sort of uh, screening, health screening or what have you for their job. But any any other folks who have thoughts on that experience with that? Uh, well, I just um, recently uh, went through a health screening for uh, a job um, at a hospital, actually. And um, I had to go and take a physical and everything. And um, um, I, I think from the way it looks, this is a, common thing that people must have to do every year because this um, in particular place we have to go, it seems to only deal with the hospital employees and not see a bunch of people sitting there with their uniforms on waiting for this or that. So uh, I think that will be an experience that I will be dealing with in the future. And absolutely, they already know in a system of white supremacy, they've done studies on this where black people uh, don't get adequate rest uh, because of racism, white supremacy. And same thing uh, our caller in Texas said, don't get adequate uh, food. They have what they call food deserts uh, and not having the resources to purchase adequate food, not having information about uh, what would be correct things uh, to eat. They already know this, uh, that they have severely uh, compromised our health medical apartheid. So. They have a variety of means. That would certainly be something if, if other folks, if they have commentary, if you listen to the archives and you want to email in uh, on the uh, health screening aspect, I think that would be good as well because that's certainly something that I suspect there are quite a few black people who have uh, experienced in probably one of the other uh, subtle ways that racism, white supremacy uh, is in operation on the job. What I did do was I declined to take the flu shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they were very adamant, like this was going to be a big problem. Um, so, um, I reached out to two people, Gavaz gave me someone's name. I, I re- sent the email to him 
and I sent the email to Dr. Curtis Duncan because that was the first guy I ever heard talk about the flu shots extensively. And uh, he actually emailed me back, said, absolutely, don't take it, you know, um, fill out that paperwork. And once you fill that paperwork out, there's absolutely nothing they can do. And uh, I filled the paperwork out, and I submitted it, and right away they said, okay, no problem. Uh, I just have to wear a mask when I'm around patients, and I don't have a problem with that. Uh, I also declined to take the flu shot, and um, they didn't, you know, harp down on uh, on me about it too bad, but they did question me several times. Like, they wanted to know, like, are you sure you don't want to take the, the flu shot? And I was like, no, I don't want to take the flu shot. So, yeah, that's uh, that, they're pushing for that also. I just declined the flu shot last week. So, yeah, I know what that is. And it wasn't they, – they just ask you – and if you don't want it, it wasn't a big deal. For those that wanted it, they provided it there on the job, and that was it. I was, and I just told a number of black people, I said, I don't do vaccinations. I don't take anything that they provide. And a couple other black folks like, I'm not taking the flu shot either. I said, very smart move. I said, you should get uh, Curtis Costbook. That was the um, the person who I recommended Thomas, Thomas get in contact with. But, um, you know, Curtis Costbook, vaccines are dangerous. I think every black person should have that in their library. It will change your life. Thank you. Which person uh, was it? We I heard Mr. Uh, Thomas in New York said Curtis Duncan, and then Roz said Curtis Cross. I, well, Roz gave me a name, and I also emailed Curtis Duncan. Uh, the person Roz gave me the name of, he never responded, but Curtis okay. Duncan did. He responded to me, and he told me, you know, do not take it. And he pretty much said that form that I had, once I fill it out, it was nothing they were going to be able to do about it. Oh, Okay. Well, they were both on the program, but I just wanted clarification about who did the who did the contact. And both of them have constructive uh, information, and I concur about the the whole vaccine thing and/or uh, flu shot specifically. Uh, I concur. That's something I would uh, not recommend taking. Although I do see evidence that it looks like whites might be getting more aggressive uh, about making. Uh, people take flu shots uh, and or vaccines. I have been uh, seeing that. I think it was even <coughs> a uh, medical employee uh, where she got, they were really pressuring her to take the flu shot and she didn't want to do it. And they were talking about jeopardizing her employment if she didn't want to do it. So that is something I would pay attention to. Just kind of keep an eye out uh, different news reports and what have you uh, in terms of them talking about it. And if there's any controversy of people not wanting to take flu shots and or vaccines. I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, can I get the name of that book again? Vaccines. Um, is, it's, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say um, it's called Vaccines Are Dangerous, and the author's name is Curtis Cost. Um, he has excellent research and a lot of um, up-to-date articles on his website as well regarding um, all kinds of uh, rogue medical experiments and things that you, you can avoid and how to avoid certain things, legally speaking, like for your children and things of that nature as well. He's a great um, site and brilliant young uh, black male. Thank you. Okay, thanks. I'm going to find that and put that in my library. I appreciate it. Uh, we have- oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. I also wanted to um, speak to uh, the guy who spoke before me. I believe his name was Ramon. I just wanted to say he was right there. I know uh, ghettos in uh, Colorado Springs. I've been there several times. 
that we have a few officers out there, and there are no ghettos. I haven't ran in, into any. And, you know, ghettos are just cold words for where the black people live, you know, black neighborhoods. So, and I mean my life. Mm. Gus, can I be here? Yes, sir. Uh, this is Ramon. Um, I didn't get the gentleman's name that was asking about me. Um, I would just let him know if he wants to talk outside of this forum. He can reach me at electronicproducers at gmail.com, and I'll mute my line. There you go. Feel free. Uh, other folks uh, have commentary, anything, workplace racism uh, that they wanted to share. I did read an article. Uh, it was about Marilyn Mosby. I was going to bring it up on the compensatory call-in, which I still may. Uh, but I also thought that that was workplace racism as well, uh, where they were talking about all of the uh, strain that she and her husband uh, have experienced over the past year plus uh, since the death of Freddie Gray, shot and killed by enforcement. Well, excuse me, he was not shot and killed, but uh, in my view, uh, killed by Baltimore's finest. They will just say that he died under suspicious circumstances while in police custody. But um, they were talking about all of the, the strain that they had endured and difficulties uh, on the job when she signed on. To me, it very much sounded like uh, workplace racism uh, for what she's doing, the job that she's been trying to do, and the impact that it's had on her, even the strain on her marriage uh, and her family. Uh, you have to check. It was in the New York Well, I don't know when it was in the physical paper, but it was online yesterday. I posted it. You can check it out. It is a little lengthy, but I found it quite interesting. As I stated, I might bring it up on the compensatory call in this uh, weekend, but in my view, it would certainly qualify as workplace racism. Some of the things that they mentioned uh, in the report. Uh, anything else, folks? Commentary, either personal observations, or if you had questions about anything that you have heard thus far. Yeah, I wanted to say the brother in Colorado Springs. What he said that was very interesting. And um, you know, these are the white people who, you know, are sitting there making bullets and stuff. You know, like. I call them the, the Duck Dynasty boys, you know, like they, those are the last white people, black people want to deal with. You know, this dude is sitting there making guns and bullets. You know it's for black people. I mean, who else are they going to be going around here shooting or, or, or threat of shooting? And I, I just think that that was a very good observation he made because that's, that's very dangerous white people there. I mean, those, those are the ones that are going to, have nothing better to do when something pops off than to go into the ghetto, no fear, and um, kill as many black people as they can find. I mean, my mom. Hey, Gus. I, 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 I'm sorry me and the brother have to feed back to each other like this, but I just want everybody to remember something that you say on the regular is that we, we, we have to not, stereotype the type of people that would be dangerous to us because if all we're looking for is, um, you know, people with three teeth, you know, tooth, like you say, I mean, I, I know from experience, that's not true. You know, I look at them truthfully, in my opinion, as these are the pawns of the game. These are the, the, the ones you can, if, if I can easily pick you out, you're not a threat to me. I tell people around here on a regular, you're walking around with a gun on your hip, I've already got the jump on you. What you going to do? You know, so these ain't the people I'd be talking about. This, matter of fact, I'll just be honest. The person that the house I'm at, this is a Pentagon person shooting high. I had no knowledge of this myself, and I'd been in their houses a couple of years back to back. 
That's what I want us to be more concerned with understanding. The most dangerous people don't look like, you know, you know, you know, don't look like cooter. You know, this is what we have to accept that we're going to have to learn to pick up our dialect, our game. Of, I mean, our understanding of language and the type of people, you know, that won't just overtly come out like that. And I'll meet my line. Hmm. One of our previous callers, uh, she is also in the Colorado area. She's a black female and she was sharing uh, there is a white uh, physician, not, you know, some down and out overalls wearing white guy, a white physician who makes a substantial salary and, you know, has a tie and a suit and all of that gets up and goes to a hospital uh, to work, medical professional uh, and Guns, 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 guns. Brags about having guns, photos of his guns all around. Same type of thing. Right in, in Colorado. I don't know if it's Colorado Springs, but right there uh, in Colorado. Same type of thing. And I think that's that's the important thing to really get through, that this is white culture. This is at the root of white identity, violence against non-white people, especially black people uh, and to just be very clear about that that's why i say all the time it's, it's not anything to play with it's something to take very seriously even when we had our uh female caller out in the bay area when she was talking about the situation where the white guy called and was uh intoxicated and trying to get her to come to his room that's what you have to have in mind these folks are extremely dangerous and it does not take very much time at all uh for things to end up becoming a life-threatening situation take it real seriously in terms of what it means to be classified as white um, just to piggyback off of what all of you are talking about, it really makes me think about the fact that when white people are probing and asking questions about us, they want to see how in tune we are for things like their proverbial race war as well. So you'll have people who wear suit and ties coming there, like uh, Gus was just saying, the doctor, you, you know, the last person you would think that would have an arsenal in their house, but yet they have that arsenal. And on the weekends, they go out with their militia groups and, you know, they hunt niggers and bears. And, you know, this is the kind of stuff they do for fun. So all white people are deadly. And even even the toothless ones. I used to work with, with some, too, um, out here in central Jersey. And they used to go hunting. And I had no idea. They came to work with venison one day. And they used uh, bow and arrow hunting. They shoot with twenty two rifles. And, I mean, you know, you would think they were dirt road white folks, but, you know, these white folks get, get their bows and arrows out, and they go hunting bears during bear season, and they hunt venison during venison season. And this is the stuff they do for fun. They kill for fun. So I, I agree. You know, we have to be very cognizant of that. And, again, the fact that they're always drunk or high, so that's a whole other thing to look for because that also can trigger, you know, their lack of inhibition and facilitate their um their terroristic behavior as far as them getting into these sorts of antics whether it's you know in a public space when they're riding to or from work or if you're out with your family or in very inconvenient vulnerable positions so just be very aware of those things thank you amen make sure i get our plug in since our book that we are currently reading even though it is fiction it does have quite a bit of analysis about racism and workplace racism specifically uh, Mr. Sam Greenlee, the spook who sat by the door, will be here tomorrow. Same program time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. 
Pacific. Uh, we are picking up, I believe, we're at Chapter 9. Uh, so feel free to uh, tune in. Uh, I'm enjoying it. Uh, we'll be looking forward to uh, another segment tomorrow evening. Uh, folks have anything else they want to make sure they got in? Hopefully we will not wait till the last minute. Uh, observations, questions, your own situation on the job that you would like to share. Anything else? Everybody's content. Didn't miss anything. All right. Assume everybody uh, is good. Uh, I will still say this is not a spectator program. We still had a lot of folks uh, hanging out on the phone line just listening. Uh, I suspect uh, all the folks who are listening, I suspect that you, too, are having some incidents on the job. Uh, I think we should make an effort to uh, try to share just, again, to be active uh, with regards to racism, white supremacy, I think we have a lot of folks who do have some understanding of racism, uh, white supremacy, what it is, how it works. Uh, it is about uh, putting that understanding, uh, demonstrating and putting that into our actual behaviors uh, and doing more with that, trying to share, get that information out to other people uh, and to just do more. Uh, racists, they are not ignorant uh, with their knowledge, expertise about terrorizing black people. Uh, I think we have to do the same uh, with our understanding of what it means to be white, our understanding of racism, white supremacy, to put that in action uh more frequently more frequently more frequently uh thanks to all of the folks for participating grant to hear from uh everyone who chimed in uh we will do it again next thursday 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific i will again say the election that's i am sure that will be more frequent uh, as we get closer to november so just have that in mind don't be surprised and document it folks are you know whatever they're saying about any of the candidates Trump, Hillary Clinton, whatever, just, you know, be prepared, not surprised, and already have in mind what you're going to say if they ask you anything about the election, who you're going to vote for, or what you think about the campaign, what you think about the debates. Uh, if anything happens newsworthy related to racism, already have that in mind so that you're not surprised uh, with the shootings. I know that's been a big deal as well. Have that in mind as well. If you are going to say anything at all. I would minimize what you have to say about it. I think it's great. I think Thomas gave us an illustration last week uh, that I, I have not even been able to keep up uh, with what's going on. I don't even know what's going on in North Carolina, what's happening down there, uh, just so that you're not pulled into, because it's been my experience that whites frequently, they try to lure us into these dialogues uh, just so that they can make a further assessment of how informed we are, how confused we are about racism uh, and or just to get us upset uh, where they can make whatever comments that, you know, Mr. Scott got what he deserved and Terrence Crutcher got what he deserved. And that was a bad looking dude and he wasn't complying and you all just don't respect him for or whatever uh, to just say those sort of things to, again, get us riled up, get us angry. And then that might be the time that they. Sp oh, yes. By the way, you have your physical today. We have our health screens. We need to go and get your blood and all that. So I would just make an effort. Do not get involved in any of those discussions on the job if it is coming up and if you are asked questions that's what i recommend all the time uh see what they think ask them about their opinion hmm that's interesting i'll have to check more into this because i just haven't been following the details that's my codified suggestion for how you want to deal with all that i've just seen too many times where black people get in those sort of 
uh, arguments or situations where you're trying to share your view and what you think about all this, and it just it ends up not working out to the benefit of the black person. So just something to keep in mind if that is coming up on people's jobs, in their workplace, what have you. Uh, if you have questions, suggestions, gripes, complaints, uh, you can feel free to drop an email, untiljustice at gmail.com, untiljustice at gmail. Dot com. Again, if it's workplace racism, I will certainly share on the program. We can keep it anonymous if you have concerns about, you know, your your employer finding out or any of your colleagues or what have you finding out. We can keep it anonymous for you. Um, thanks again for everyone tuning in. Hope it's been a constructive investment of your Thursday evening, and we will be here tomorrow. Uh, Sam Greenlee, the spook who sat by the door, uh, will be here Saturday as well for the compensatory call-in, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. If folks, uh, our caller, who want to share about Ms. Uh, Kelly Freeman, you can make time for that uh, and other commentary as well this coming Saturday evening. Uh, with that, I uh, hope folks will stay safe. And again, since we had another incident, whites, alcohol, one of the worst combinations in the known universe. That is something that we for sure should take very seriously. I strongly encourage sobriety would be best under conditions of white terrorism. Our behavior should reflect that war is being waged against us at all times. If you are a soldier, a serious combatant, you do not want to be intoxicated when things are going down, when you cannot respond adequately to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Uh, and what's happening, the war that's being waged against us. I've just seen too many uh, too many instances uh, where black people being intoxicated ended up just causing further problems, making it easier for us to be violated uh, by racist man, racist woman, racist child. You never know when today will be the day that you bump into Darren Wilson, Daniel Holtzclaw, any other race soldier badge or no whites they are super dangerous make sure that we understand that take it seriously pass that along to your children i never heard that when i was growing up people talking about alcohol and uh drugs cigarettes for sure make sure that's included as well but i never heard that uh tied into it in terms of why you want to be sober if you are a young person and you're going out and partying for the first time that hey we are in a system of racism white supremacy you being under the influence of anything it just makes it easier for whites to victimize you that's it. Uh, thanks again for everyone tuning in, and we will speak with you all in about 24 hours. Uh, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cows signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, Your brother. You're a victim. Uh, I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.